Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. One time here, a.k.a. Pyramid Kid, a.k.a. Tuesday, a.k.a. Lazarus, a.k.a. Asar. <laughs> Man, y'all thought y'all wasn't going to see me again, huh? Well, newsflash, homie, I'm back. Come on. Soon as the plane land, ain't got no time to play. I touch ground, bend down, kiss the runway. Soon as I stand back up, I'm like a worker bee. With new turf, new streets, new people to meet. Deep in the heart of a crowd. What will I discover? The internet, one thing, real life is another. The return of the brother, tell mama her son home. And prepare a rock steady like a dial tone. It's more than a milestone. This is a success story of how your boy came back to restore the glory of all those before me. My ancestors. Giving thanks for the way that they continue to bless us They so precious, I'm so hyped Ghanaian skyline, nighttime, it's so tight Africa, y'all, for once, I feel so right I'm setting up shop, no need for return flight Welcome to Cairo, okay, Lagos, okay. Johannesburg,
knowledge Well, I'm bearing the truth and nothing less I'm a rebel
with my head in the cloud. And if this letter happens to reach you, you gon' turn me down. But I can't blame my people for thinking the way that our nemesis is tall. It's throwing us off of the path to rebuild the connection we lost through the slavery slot today. I know when you're off the way, more. Something to go to the crib and stay for. I'm done with these hoes. Don't need to be shamed by what they did to you. It's all in the struggle. Ain't a thing that they could do to keep us from being a couple. Stole your gold and mine your diamonds. Use the guns and muscle. Never occurred to them how much I love you. And I could never watch you suffer like that. Ain't killing you by the millions. Yet through the trials, you smile and continue to stand resilient. For all the world to see, you are the girl for me. When I get back, we gon' relax and drink some herbal tea comfortably. Once we clean up the mess, cause living without you got my life in the stress and unrest. My angel. come to you right now and say, let's separate. You say the same thing that the house Negro said on the plantation. What you mean, separate? From America? This good white man? Where you gonna get a better job than you get here? I mean, this is what you said. I, I ain't left nothing in Africa. That's what you said. Why, you left your mind in Africa. <laughs> All right. Peace, life, prosperity, and wellness, family. This is your brother, Young Kuminu Benu, also known as Unk Benu, coming to you live with our show, Cool Kim Radio. Cool Kim, that's Black Light Radio in the language of Meduna Terre. For those of you, this is your first time tuning in. I want to say first and foremost, welcome to the show. To the family that's always in the building, welcome back home. It's good to have you with us. But, you know, for those of you that it is your first time tuning in, you may be a little unfamiliar with what this particular show is all about. You might have heard the, you know, lyrical content and subject matter of the songs that we open up with, and, you know, you probably were thinking to yourself, man, this is some heavy stuff. It's some deep stuff. What, what in the world have I walked myself into? What's going on here? You probably heard the words that I opened up with, greeting you with, and you're probably wondering to yourself, what in the world is he saying? What language is that? Unk Uja what? Maduna what? <laughs> Just to make sure that we're all on the same page and everyone's caught up to speed. He said that, you know, Kukim, 
meant black light in the language of Meduna Terre. And, you know, Meduna Terre is the correct name of the language of the place that many of us know today as ancient Egypt, in which our illustrious black African ancestors, who were the original inhabitants and indigenous people of that land, they referred to their land or their society as Kemet or Tameri, and Meduna Terre was the language that they spoke. Okay? Not ancient Egyptian. Not hieroglyphics. Right? Meduna Terre. Right? Ru in Kemet. Right? The, the mouth of Kemet. <laughs> and, you know, if that's news to you, right, if you didn't know the correct name of the language of the place we call ancient Egypt was actually or is actually Meduna Terre, right? If you didn't know that your ancestors, my ancestors, African people, a black African people were the original indigenous inhabitants of that land, the founders and builders of that civilization. If you didn't know that, right, then you just got a small, quick glimpse of what the Ku Kim is all about. Because Ku Kim is all about resurrecting, restoring, reclaiming, basking and bathing and walking and shining that illustrious black light of our illustrious black African ancestors. And you're going to hear some words today that may sound a little funny put together in a certain way. It might not quite sound right to you. It might not mess together well to you, right? It might hit your ears a little funny. You're going to hear words such as black, and African, and illustrious, and wise, and mighty, in the same sentence, in the same context, referring to the same people, referring to your people, right? You're going to hear that. might sound a little funny to you, but I want to say this. Don't be alone. We're not here to do any harm, right? Any initial discomfort that you may feel is just the exorcism, the exercising of that Willie Lynch chip and that Willie Lynch seed from your brain and from your blood, right? And it'll all be all right after a while. <laughs> and, you know, if you can get with that, if you're all right with that, then I want to say, once again, welcome to the show, okay? We got a very, very, very important show today, very special show today, going to be picking up from where we left off last week as it pertains to the subject of the importance of ancestral veneration and the consequences of ancestral neglect. This is going to be part two. Right? This is a very important subject, right? You know, just look at, listen to that title, right? The importance of ancestral veneration and the consequences of ancestral neglect. Like, What? There's consequences for neglecting your ancestors? Yeah. <laughs> right, if I, if I can answer real straight to the point, matter, matter of fact, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, some, there's some consequences to neglecting the ancestors. And, um, you know, we're living it. Right? As a people on a, on a collective scale, we are living those consequences. Right? And, uh, you know, we want to go into it, but, you know, last week we dealt with the subject, you know, the importance of ancestral veneration and the consequences of ancestral neglect um, from a comedic perspective. And, you know, we dealt with it in the comedic tradition, uh, where it is found, right, the importance of it, you know, the role that the ancestors play in our lives and, you know, what's venerating them. 
right? What uh, performing offerings and rituals, right? Sacrifices on their behalf, remembering them, right? What that allows them to do for us, okay? We talked about that. We'll probably um, recap quickly, right? A little of that. But, you know, we also, I wanted to demonstrate um, this same principle, right? This same practice um, being implemented, okay, or adhered to throughout the world, okay? Throughout the world, throughout the African continent, right? In Asia, okay? In, um, how do you say, in, you know, North Africa, amongst the, the Berbers and traditional Berber religion, okay, or traditional Berber uh, ancestral veneration, okay? Want to demonstrate it. Even when you look at the, the European, right, and the Celtic and the Jewish and all that, they, they all had this understanding of the importance of ancestral veneration, Right? And the consequences of ancestral neglect. Right? Even in some cases where there's traditions that don't believe in a God concept. Right? They don't necessarily believe in God. Right? Such as Buddhism. Okay? You know, even in the case of a tradition such as Buddhism, the practice of ancestral veneration is still held to the utmost importance, right? That's how serious this is, right? When we look at Hinduism and, you know, one of the traditions and festivals we're going to look at, you're going to see in some instances, even though there is a concept of, of a supreme being or a belief in God or whatever the case may be, they hold the, the, the practice of ancestral veneration as more important than the rituals pertaining to the worship of the divine supreme being. Right? That's how serious this is. That's how serious of a subject this is. Okay? So we got to talk about that. You know, and it's, I think we want to we wanna explain that also. Because, in a way... The exact same thing can be said in the comedic tradition or, you know, in truth, in uh, many African traditions, once we understand the, you know, the the top of the chair, right, Nebuchadnezzar, right, the Lord of the limits, right, Lord of all, right, the Lord of the universe. We talk about Oro Dumare, right, in the Yoruba, okay? When we talk about these, uh, you know, abstracts, you know, forces or abstract reality, right? Reality itself is what we're talking about. Um, it's so abstract that it's unfathomable, right? It's, it's unapproachable. So it's always taught or depicted to be aloof and therefore does not engage or, or interact, uh, you know, cosmologically or in, in the quote-unquote mythos. It does not interact directly with man, but through through, um, you know, the various expressions or agencies of his being called interu, right, neteru in, in the comedic tradition or orisha in the Yoruba tradition, okay? This is how it interacts, right, with the world, okay? But, um, you know, in that understanding, 
it makes no sense and does absolutely nothing for the all, so to speak, right? Nebuchadnezzar, okay, Ogo Dumare, it does nothing for it, right, to worship it or make offerings to it, right? Because you can't take away from the all, you can't add anything to the all, right? It is all. It doesn't need anything, right? Doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, you understand? <laughs> I think that should be clear, you know? So, offerings aren't made directly to that being, right? To reality itself, right? That abstract being. Offerings aren't made directly to it. It's not directly engaged, okay? So, in a sense like that, um, understanding that, you know, a practice such as ancestral veneration, which when we understand the hierarchy of being, we're going to go through in a second. Yeah, because I need to get right, man. Slipping. <laughs> okay? The ancestors are very, very close to this realm. Very, very close to us. They are closer to us than the Neteru. They are closer to us than Neter. They are closer to us than Nebeter, Right? So, in that understanding, there will be more of an effect felt on us, right, by them or through them, okay? So, we're going to, we're going to deal with that in depth. We're going to touch on it from other cultures, and, you know, we're going to talk about some of the ways that we um, should venerate our ancestors today, right? So, we want to go into some things. We want to make sure that we give... Everyone some practical stuff to deal with before we get about it here, right? But before we go any further, man, yeah, let me make sure that I get myself together, get myself in order, make sure that we keep things in line with the divine, and we want to keep things in the right order. So first and foremost, we want to start things off by paying homage and saluting rank. I want to say, that is, Salutation of power, father, mother, Neter. I want to say, that is, salutation of power to the interru, the divine forces of nature. I want to say, that is, salutation of power to the ancestors, the legendary ones, the ancient ones, those of yours, those from before, those at the head, right? The holy, venerable, sacred ones. Yakub, the enlightened ones. Okay? Salute the ancestors. I want to say, Inetch Heretin, Jertiu Ek, Jertiu Tenu. Right? Salutation of power to your ancestors. Those of you that are listening, I salute your ancestors. And I want to say, and that's your return, that is, salutation of power to you all as manifestations, expressions, emanations, literally the walking incarnations and embodiments of Niter yourselves. What we just went through, family, was our divine ancestral lineage. Because for us, as an African people, with an African worldview, 
practicing an African way of life. For us, we trace our lineage all the way back to the divine. Right? We trace our lineage back to Neter, back to Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? We trace our lineage back through our blood relatives all the way back to the original man and the original woman. And through the original man and the original woman back to the interru, the forces of nature themselves. And through the interru, through the forces of nature back to Neter, back to Ra, back to Kepari, back to the Creator. And even further back through the Creator, back to Nebuchadnezzar, back to Nu, Nunet, right? Back to the All, the Source of Creator and Creation. That is to say, for us, Necher, Nebuchadnezzar is our first ancestor. However, not only is that our divine ancestral lineage, but for us as an African people, with an African worldview, practicing an African way of life, for us, there is only one being in existence, period. And that one being is Niter. And all other beings are simply manifestations of, expressions of, emanations of, incarnations and aspects of that one divine being. So, not only is that our divine ancestral lineage, but it is also the divine evolutionary and creative process through which we, as that one being, brought ourselves into existence as creation, as creator, right? Coming forth out of noon, out of the source, out of the all, defining ourselves, creating ourselves, exploring ourselves, coming forth as the interru, the forces of nature, and further exploring ourselves, testing the limits of ourselves, right? Defining and redefining ourselves, coming forth as the original man and the original woman, right? And evolving and refining and redefining and reduplicating, reproducing ourselves. Through the line and through the years, ultimately till it culminates in our coming into being right here, right now, in this very present moment. That family is the Ku Kim. That is the black light. It is that twin essence, right, of the same self-knowledge. The knowledge of our divine ancestral lineage and the knowledge of our divine self, our divine sameness, our divine intrinsicness with Niter. That is the black light. That is the Kukim. That is the knowledge, the light that is going to shine into the darkness of our minds, the darkness of our souls. It is that light that is going to reveal to us the way out of the condition that we currently find ourselves in, right? It's going to reveal to us the reality of ourselves and our condition so that we may elevate, right? And if you can get with that, <laughs> welcome to the show once again, right? 
This is Cool Kim Radio. We're about 30 minutes in. Those of you that are just tuning in, this is your brother, Uncle New. And about every 30 minutes or so, we're going to, you know, we like to open up the lines to see what's going on with the fam that's in the building, right? Let everybody chime in, ask uh, questions, make comments, add on, etc. so on. So, you know, those of you that are just tuning in, you're listening to Cool Kim Radio. This is your brother, Uncle New. And we're going to open up the lines for the first time. Right before we go in on and delve into our subjects, gonna start things off with the QM. But um, real quick, if you're if you're you like to call in, you like to add on, right? Make a comment, ask a question, whatever the case may be. Feel free to call in. We love to hear from you. And uh, you know, if by chance you have something that you like to say or add, comment a question, but you don't necessarily want to call in, feel free to leave that comment or question in the talk show live chat room. We'll get to it a s a p. Okay. Gonna start off with the QM. Hatchapoo, Marina Turks. Hatchapoo. All right, to you, to you. Almost sounded like you was free on this, <laughs> this morning when you started. Uh oh, oh, almost, almost sounded like I was what? <laughs> you was free. <laughs> oh, you said freestyling? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I was, I was doing it. I like, I like it. To you. But um, I'm excited about about today's presentation. Don't have too much to say. I don't want to prolong it. But um, well, I did have a a question. Um, more more asking if you could. Uh, I know you're gonna get into it, but um, I thought that the the topic was intriguing because it almost sounds like or specifically like the the um consequences of um neglecting to venerate the ancestors. Um I thought it was interesting because it on the surface it sounds like some some uh religious <laughs> job <laughs> like the um uh oh, we about to talk about Kim and Hill up in here. <laughs> okay, interesting. That's interesting. But um, I'm really, really uh looking forward to what it is that you have to have to uh, say. And, okay. Uh, I had a question about the function of the, you've talked about it more or less in, in previous shows, but the function of the extended family that includes the ancestors. Okay, two. Right, yeah. Um, I say we we actually talked about it last week, but you know we're going to recap um, the importance of you know ancestral veneration, the role that um, doing so allows them to you know the function that it allows them to perform on our behalf. You know, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna deal with that. You, you. All right, then. I'm I'm ready to go. All right, that's a good word. Hit the pool. Okay, hit the pool. Louisiana, you on the air. Is is that the good brother Dennis? It's me, brother Hotel. All right, Hotel. What's the good word, brother? How you doing? Oh, it's all good, man. All good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Oh yeah. Uh, you know, concerning the topic, man, uh, is actually, you know, what I'm saying, kind of amazing because I find that the the more you the, the more you practice the act of venerating your ancestors, you know, what I'm saying, in a short amount of time, um, it's like, you know, what I'm saying, you can realize and see and understand the importance of venerating them, like it comes to you. Mm. Oh yeah, don't, definitely. Don't take long. Nah, I don't think long at all. <laughs> no. It's almost like a like a purification, you know what I'm saying? Purif- purifying your mind too. You feel me? Word, word, word. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. so how you say you you seen you seen quick results? Definitely, definitely. All right, definitely, I see. Man. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, so I'm looking. I'm looking forward to this show here too, man. So you know what I'm saying? Bring on the whip, right? All right, that's a good word, brother. Appreciate you. Oh yeah. Two, it's up. What's up, brother? All right. Head to poo. Sim Salimet, that's you. You. All right, two, two. That's correct. The fair, you are the fair, never cool. All right. Ikor ku dua. Two, nice, two, two. Nice. I, I say, I, I'm, I just want to say, do, do we have a big dua in the chair? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, that's chair. what I'm talking about. Dua in the chair. You know. Two. I'm uh, looking forward to the show today, as always, and um, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. All right, that's a good word. I'll be back. Absolutely. Two, it's up. It's up. All right. Head to poo. Arizona on the air. That that's him to what? <laughs> What's going on? Um, you know, I I thought I was late. You start. I don't know. Did you start the show an hour early today? <laughs> An hour early? No. <laughs> well, no, because usually, usually I get on at eleven, eleven my time, and then I look, I got on Facebook and it said it was live. Now I was like, oh, I'm late. Okay, yeah. I said we, you know, we start at twelve Central Time, one p.m. Eastern Time, and I think you're since you're on the West Coast, I think you're like two hours behind, uh, behind me here in New Orleans. So, you know, that would be ten o'clock your time, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's what it is. I say how's everything though? All good? Yeah, everything is fine. I mean it it's 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 good for what it is right now. All right. Right, that's that's the word then. (laughs) Two. Okay, so I'll be back then, huh? Good to go? All right, get to go. Two, hit the pool. All right. That's a pool, South Carolina on the air. Hotel pool, hotel pool. What's going on, Equanis? That's correct. It's a cool, never cool. Never cool. cool. All right. All right. That's the good word. That's what I'm talking about. Do I ooze in Nesterit? Two, equal cool. I'm excellent, brother. Thank you. You. Two, two. Okay. Right? So, um, What's what's the good word though? Hey man, just 
Just glad to be in the building and uh, in good health. Mm-hmm. For embracing Uncle Johnson there. Glad to be able to be here. Me and my mama are actually here. We live. I got you on Chapter Falls. That is a wonderful thing. All right. Yeah. Hotel, hotel, mama. Hotel. <laughs> hotel, mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so it's, it's a beautiful thing, brother. We're just, uh, just enjoying everything, brother. All right. That's a good word, brother. So good to go then. I'll check back with you. You. Absolutely. Okay. To you. Heads and all right, all right, and shout out to the family in the in the talk show live, I guess too. Salute. All right, we gonna go ahead and get this thing started. Those of you that just tuning in, this is your brother Unfinu. You listening to Cool Kim Radio? We're about to deal with the subject, the importance of ancestral veneration and the consequences of ancestral neglect. Part two. If you did not catch part one, don't worry. Right, that show, today's show, all of our previous shows. Man, like a hundred shows are all archived, recorded and archived, and available for you to download free of charge from the Cool Kim archives, right? So definitely want to get over there and take advantage of the Cool Kim radio archives, all right? Um, we're going to go ahead and get this thing started, right? Kim Wilms, she, she made a she made an interesting, interesting comment, right? And um, it, it was, it was, Pertaining to the um, the you know the title of the show, like the consequences, right? What you mean, you know? What you mean consequences? Right? Are, you, are we talking about Kimmet Hell, right? Uh, you know, to quote uh, Mama T, <laughs> right? Um, you know, it's a that's a very very important comment, very important question that we're gonna have to delve into, right? And I think um, I think. That we should start things off with that, right? I think we should start things off with that. Um, what do we mean, right? What do we mean when we say, right, the consequences of ancestral neglect, right? Why is the veneration of the ancestors important, okay? What's going on here, <laughs> right? So... First and foremost, let's let's talk about the nature of reality, right? The nature of, um, you know, yeah, the nature of reality, the way that our ancestors laid it down. You know, I think last week we talked about how, you know, in, in our worldview, you know, we didn't just say, okay, spirit, like, you know, man has a spirit or man has a soul or, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, a person is a complex, right? It's an intricate um, being, right? And there's various components that come together to make up a person, right? Um, and you have what's called a ba. You have what's called a ka, okay? You have an ib or a heart. You have a rin or a name, right? And, you know, these are just a few of, you know, the various components that makes up a person, right? Um, these components have the capacity to um, survive the, the quote-unquote death of the physical body. Okay, so that's important, right? That's important. 
And another good way to understand these components is like, okay, these are our spiritual organs, so to speak. Like our internal organs. Okay? Like like our heart, like our lungs, like our spleen, like our pancreas, like our liver and intestines and, and kidneys and bladder, right? Um, these, right, these are like the spiritual or analogous, right, to the internal organs. These are our spiritual organs, okay? And a good way of understanding the, um, how you say, the natural, okay, and of understanding the ancestors is, you know, like these are, these forces, they are intrinsic to our being. We consist of them. Right? They make us up. When we talk about the ancestors, okay, this is even more so truth as, you know, everything that we um, are made up of at the time of our birth is a, is a culmination of what our ancestors were. Okay? So, you know, the, the seed from our father. Right? The egg from our mother, right? These these uh cells coming together, right? And bringing with them the lineage, okay? Those ancestral lineages, right? The joining of ancestral lines, so to speak. Okay? And, you know, these genes, right? That decided the code. It's it's analogous to the incarnating of certain ancestral qualities, right? This is this is a very important subject. I think think one day I'm going to either write a book or do a series on, you know, um you know, the spiritual or cosmological science of DNA. Right? Gonna deal with that and you know, deal with comedic cosmology as it relates to the DNA because it's all in there, right? It's all in there. But I brought this up to say that every single thing that we are physically, okay, even the incarnations and the qualities of our intelligence, right, and the scope of our potential in many cases as science is beginning to realize today, right, geneticists are beginning to realize today that, you know, um, what our ancestors were, who they were, the things that they've been through, the memories, the trauma, all of these things are passed on to us and have an effect on us today. Okay? So, you know, not only are our ancestors intrinsic to us spiritually, but physically they're intrinsic to us, our DNA, our blood. Okay, so it's a very, 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 very important thing to realize, right? But with that said, right, it should also be understood that the spiritual component of the ancestors, right, and the natural, they are intrinsic to our being, right? They, you know, we consist of them. They are the source of us, right? We consist of them, okay? We incarnate into this world through them. 
through the Netaru, through the ancestors. Okay? That's why we start off the show going through that lineage. Right? So, with that said, it's important to understand this, this relationship to the ancestors as you know, similar to the relationship to, right, that we have with our bodies and with the internal organs within our bodies, right? The way that our ancestors understood the spirit realm, right? Yamintet, do what, okay? Let's get it, okay? The way that our ancestors understood the spirit realm, they understood it as the internal plane, right? The insides of the universe, the insides of reality, okay? So, <laughs> pardon me, so, as Ra begins to make his journey, right, in and out of the world, as he continues his journey, in sunrise and sunset, coming in and out of the world, in and out of the physical plane, okay, he enters into the spirit realm which exists within Newt, the universe, okay? The ordered universe, Newt. Right? So, everything exists within Newt. Everything consists of Newt. Everything is born out of Newt. Okay? But within Newt, that's where the duat exists. Right? That's where the duat exists. And, you know, understanding that, the, the spirit realm of the duat is literally the insides of reality. And the forces that exist within the duat, the netaru, the ancestors, okay? Um, these forces are literally the internal organs and cells, right? They are the nuts and the bolts of reality, okay? They're intrinsic to us. So in understanding that, in the same way that we see it as important to make sure that we're receiving proper nourishment, right? That we're taking care of ourselves, that we're eating the right foods, right? That our organs are being fed so that they can continue to perform the functions that are essential for our continuity and sustenance and survival, right? In the same way that we make sure that we eat so that we can keep going. In this same way, it is important that we should recognize the value in feeding our ancestors, venerating our ancestors, right? Making sure that they have the things that they need to survive, right? To continue and to thrive in that aspect, that part of reality, so that they can continue to serve and perform the functions that they do for us on this side, right? That's, that's what we're talking about here. So literally, right, the neglect of the ancestors, right, is like neglecting your own health. It's like neglecting your, how you say, your own well-being. It's like starving yourself, Okay? You know that your kidneys need water, right? You need water, okay? And, right, your kidneys and your bladder 
right? These are watery systems, so to speak, okay? And, you know, these systems, right, especially the kidneys, it's the foundation, so to speak, of the rest of your system, right? All of your hormones, your hormonal um, balance, your homeostasis, all these things, is, it's, it's founded upon the kidneys, which is interesting, right? Because if the kidneys deal with water and we look at the foundations of reality in the comedic tradition beginning in noon, in water, right, we see a parallel there, okay? And when we look at water and understand water as the essence of life, could this be why water is a universal um, offering as it relates to ancestral spiritual uh, rituals, right? Ancestral rituals, veneration. The ancestral water libations, okay, is a universal offering, right? As our ancestors would say, the soul goes to the place it knows and it hurries to those who give it water, right? Who gives water to it. Right? Libate for your mother and father who are resting in the valley. When your time comes to go there, the same will be done for you. Right? That's, that's what our ancestors laid down. Right? But the importance, right, just like water is essential to our survival. Okay? It's the essence of life for us. Likewise, it is a universal conduit for the spirit, right? It is essential to the survival of the ancestors, okay? That's the way to understand that. But just like if we neglected to drink water, think about the way that we feel. How long could we go without water, right? What would the quality of our life be like, our experience be like without water, right? Without food. Without sleep, right? Think about these things. Without um, receiving the proper nourishment, even if we're eating, but we're not eating the right things. We're eating things that are harmful to us, things that we should not be eating. Think about it, the way that it makes us feel, right? The effect that it has on our health, which in turn, you know, negatively impacts the quality of our lives. This is the exact same way in which, you know, ancestral neglect should be understood, right? The consequences that we face as a result of neglecting our well-being is, right, analogous to the consequences that, you know, the ancestors face. And in actuality, a good way to understand this is, you know, when we experience, quote-unquote consequences of ancestral neglect, we are, are in actuality experiencing our own internal spiritual uh, instability, right? Because our ancestors are within us, right? They're intrinsic to us, right? And we're feeling the negative side, side effects, so to speak. We're, we're feeling them feeling bad, right? Which in turn causes us to feel bad. It has an effect on us um, beyond just our internal feelings, but, you know, and we'll talk about that as we go further on um, the effects that it has on the community, um, et cetera, so on. So, um, very important question and comment, once again, that the Q1 made. 
um, that she asked, and you know, wanted to make sure that it's understood. It is not. Right? It is not a matter of okay. Um, you have to worship this being or these beings, otherwise they're going to damn you to this place of suffering and torment for all eternity. That's not what it's about. It's a science of understanding the interconnectedness and interdependent reciprocal relationship between us and the spirit realm, between us and our ancestors. Right? Understanding the reciprocal nature of that relationship. And in the same way, if we, you know, we, we neglect, right, the reciprocal relationship between us and our bodies, and right, our body helps us to facilitate our experience in this place, living in this place, right? Same way if we neglected our bodies. Likewise, right, we, we uh, will have problems, okay, problems in neglecting our ancestors, right? So that's how that should be understood, Okay? All right, so quick recap, right? We talked about the, you know, the practice of ancestral veneration from the comedic tradition, okay? And, you know, in truth, ancestral veneration was the, um, the universal spiritual practice of everybody in Kemet, right? This is something that should be understood. Everybody in Kemet was, was expected to venerate their ancestors. Not everyone worked directly with the Neturu, okay? The Neturu were engaged mainly by the priests. The shrines of the Neturu were engaged mainly by the priests, and you mainly had to be an initiate to have certain shrines, to have access to certain shrines, right? The same things done today in various traditions around the world, including, you know, uh, modern African traditions such as Yoruba and Yakan and uh, Voodoo and what have you, okay? But everyone was expected to maintain the shrine of their ancestors. Everyone was expected to maintain um, the shrine of their mother and their fathers, right? Okay? So, that's a very important thing to understand. And... The, the tradition that really speaks to ancestral veneration is the Osarian tradition, the trinity of Osir, Set, and Heru, as we talked about, okay? Um, Osir, representing the ancestor, Oset, representing the ancestral lineage, right? And Heru, representing the living descendant. And it should be clear that it doesn't matter whether you are a male or a female or whether the ancestor is male or female, they, how you say, all ancestors correspond to Osir in this ritual motif, right? And all living descendants, be they male or female, right, correspond to Heru. And Oset is the divine ancestral lineage that connects the spirit realm or the ancestors to the living descendants or this realm, okay? And Oset as the throne, right, Osir representing the, uh, quote-unquote, living deceased, right? The, the, the deceased king, so to speak, okay? And Heru representing the living king, so to speak. And the throne representing uh, 
the, of course, the inheritance of the throne, the, the lineage, right? But it's the actual throne, the seat of power, okay? And that's what Osset's name means, Osset, right? Yesit, meaning seat, okay? This exact same principle, right, and motif is still present today in the West African stool system, okay? In the stool ritual motif, in how um, the stools... Right? Uh, they serve as shrines of ancestral veneration. And, and uh, how you say, the spirit of the ancestors are enshrined into the stools. Okay? And the stool serves the purpose of connecting um, the community to the ancestors. Right? That lineage. Okay? The same principle is at play in Africa today, right? Talking about that continuity and kinship, okay? That's what we're talking about. So, with that, when we look at, uh, you know, the Osarian tradition and everything that's being laid out, right, that's being taught, everything that happened in that, when we look at it and we, and we contemplate it as it relates to our relationship with the ancestors, the practice of ancestral veneration, okay? The role that uh, Oser played in the life of Heru, right? The responsibility of Heru in uh, performing the proper funerary rites on his predecessor, Oser, right? Performing the opening of the mouth ceremony, Right? So that the spirit of Osir could be revived or awakened. Opening the mouth so that the ancestor can speak and so that the ancestor can eat. Okay? Opening the mouth so that the ancestor can eat and receive nourishment and become empowered. And opening the mouth so that the ancestor can speak, can decree, can guide. Right? Okay? We talked about that. We talked about the relationship between the ancestors and the conscience, right? The ancestors and the Ba, and how the inner ancestral spirit serves as an oracle, as a guide, as a compass to one, right? And this is symbolized in the tradition as Osir um, decreeing to Heru, ordering Heru to go out and fight Sutes, right? Sutes representing that which is isfet, that which is not in order, that which is quote-unquote wrong, right? So-called evil, okay? And the battle between Heru and Sutes representing that war within ourselves, the war between the positive and negative or the higher and the lower aspects of our own beings, okay? And Osir... Bidding us to fight, right? Bidding us to fight, right? Okay? This is the role that the ancestors play through our conscience, through our ba, in calling upon us to do right, calling upon us to do ma'at, calling upon us to evolve, to grow, okay? To fight doing wrong, okay, that can only happen if the mouth is opened, 
And the mouth can only be open if we're performing ancestral veneration. And if they're fed. Right? Okay? Also, Osir, as the ancestor, sits upon the throne in the spirit realm. And before anything can leave out of the spirit realm, it must first pass through Osir. Right? It must first have its heart weighed. It must be judged. It must be vetted by Osir. Right? This is an important subject, right? I'm going to read a passage from my forthcoming book, okay? Remembering Osir, okay? And this is um, going to be available whew, maybe this upcoming week. <laughs> Stay tuned, right? But I'm um, going to read a passage pertaining to this particular subject, right? Okay. Also, Ra's, or pardon me, we're going to start here, right? Once Ra comes into being, he exits the Duat and enters into Ta, the earth. This means that whatever happens or whatever has been ordained within Pet or heaven has gone through its evolutionary process in the Duat and has manifested in the physical realm or Ta. Taking this into consideration, it should be understood that everything that happens in Ta or Earth in the physical realm has its origins in the two higher planes. Also, Ra's coming into being represents the everlasting process of change. This is to say that as he manifests, how he manifests shall depend upon the moment and what it calls for, what is in harmony with the cycles of time. How he manifests or what happens on earth depends upon what has been decreed within the Duat. According to the text known as the Book of Gates, another work that pertains to the Duat, it is said, This great Neter, Ra, has decreed the plans or designs, having made them to spring up in the earth which he created. In the second gate, it is said, this Neter is drawn by the Neteru of the Duat in order to make divisions or distinctions in the earth and to work out his designs therein. Okay? This is to make it known that what takes place in the earth is a result of the decrees and plans of Ra in the Duat. Okay? As Ra travels, he gives decrees and orders to the Neteru and spirits that exist within the Duat, and they carry out the orders causing the effects to manifest on earth. All right. That was once again from my book, right, forthcoming work, Remembering Gosser. Um, and, you know, what it's speaking to is the fact that everything, right, understand that everything, right, the the, the Freaking motion, right? <laughs> the motion of reality, the motion of manifestation, right? It's from the inside out, so to speak. All things ultimately stem from within. They emanate from within, right? So, this is to say that in understanding our experience and what is happening in our lives, what is happening in the world, 
We said make the effort to understand them from the inside out, from the duat, from the spirit realm first, from the spirit first. And the correct approach to addressing them, addressing our issues, right? The ancestral way of addressing our issues, right, is from the inside out, from the spirit first. Okay? And in seeking to address or approach our issues, right, from the outside, right, from the ex, you know, the external circumstances, right, we're taking the allopathic approach, right, in doing so. We're taking the Western medicine approach, addressing side effects, addressing symptoms, and not dealing with the roots. The root is in the spirit, right? The root is in the duat. Okay? Right? We might, we might change the effect, right? Or address the effect. We might address the symptom. Okay? But like that, like that hydra, okay, in, in uh, Greek mythology, the beast you cut, right, one head off, and two or three more heads pop up in its place. Right? Cut the three off, nine heads pop up in its place. Okay? That's the, that's how, you know, allopathic or Western medicine approach, right? That's the results of. That's why when you, when you see the commercials, right? We look at the commercials for their new medication, Right? And the medication is supposed to be for your heart, right? But it say, okay, in the fine print or at the very end of the commercial, they begin to talk real fast, right? Don't take this if you got this, this, that, and the third, right? This may cause issues with your liver, right, your spleen, your pancreas, uh, may cause high blood pressure, or it may give you kidney infection, it may, it may uh, cause blindness, urinary tract infection, right? And it may also give you diarrhea. <laughs> right? You were just trying to fix your heart. And you might not feel whatever was going on with your heart um, or whatever it is you were dealing with. You might not feel the symptoms of it. But did it cure you? Is the root of the issue still there? Is it festering? Not only is it festering, but now, you got diarrhea, you got a urinary tract infection, your kidney, your spleen, your liver, all of that. It's all jacked up, <laughs> right, as a result of not dealing with the, the reality of the situation holistically at the root, okay? Likewise, we have to deal with our issues holistically at the root, and the root is spirit. That's the African approach, approaching things from the spirit first, okay? Regardless of what it is, understand that everything that happens in the earth is first decreed in the spirit realm. That's what that passage was laying down, right? Everything that comes into being in the earth, right, is kepari, right, becoming, it's, it's change, right, it's ra, okay? And how ra comes forth. Right? Depends on, you know, the nature of Ra, the declarations of Ra in the spirit realm. And whether or not Ra has been allowed to pass 
by Osir. Right? Ra has to have his heart weighed by Osir in the spirit realm. He's vetted by the ancestors in the spirit realm. Okay? Right? And if that heart is found not to be right, okay, he won't be allowed to pass. That's important. This is to say that our ancestors, they vet the things that come into the world. That come into, enter into our lives. Our ancestors serve as, as a way station, so to speak. Right? They vet the manifestations of the spirit. And if they are on post and satisfied. Right? If our ancestors are sitting on the throne as Osir in the spirit realm. Then... Right? They'll only allow that which is for our benefit, that which is for our growth, our sustenance, our evolution, right? To pass, to come into the world. But if they're not being fed, if that throne or that stool is not being kept, right? Then they're not going to be there to vet. Whatever it is that's coming through. That means there is a free-for-all, right? There will be a free-for-all, a free pass, so to speak, where things, all kinds of things, indiscriminately, indiscriminately come in and out of the spirit realm for us or against us as a result of neglecting our ancestors. Okay? So that is a very, very important thing to realize. Our ancestors, they not only guide us, right, through our conscience, but they also protect us. They are our first lines of defense, okay? That's from the ancestral perspective, right? That's from the comedic perspective, okay? And there's an Osiri motif that, that runs throughout the entire comedic tradition. So in actuality, the entire comedic spiritual tradition can be considered a tradition of ancestral veneration. Right? It's as African as it gets. Okay? That's as African as it gets. So, um, want to make sure that we laid that down, right? And went through that. The consequences, right? That free fall that we mentioned, the lack of guidance, and, um, you know, there's, there's some more things, right? We talked about the story of the seven-year famine um, where, you know, the Nisubiti, um Netiket, right? Or Joseph, right? Um, you know, he decreed or asked Imhotep to go and to let him know, right, the origins of the Hopi, where their ancestors came from, Right? And when Imhotep came back with the information, he went there to, to the, the, you know, the land of their ancestral origins and found the temple there, the shrine there, in shambles. And as a result of that, Kemet had been under famine for seven years. Right? Disease, pestilence, plague entered into Kemet. People were dying. 
right? People were leaving, okay? And it was all results of the ancestral neglect. Very important, okay? There's another principle, right? We talked about how the fertility and the continuity of your ancestral line, your ancestral lineage, is called into question or jeopardized as a result of neglecting the ancestors. Okay? And I want to talk about this from the, from the you know, let's look at, for instance, the Yoruba tradition and the Egungun. Okay? In the Yoruba tradition, the Egungun, right? Egun is the ancestors, right? Or ancestor, and the Egungun is the collective ancestral spirit. Okay, the collective ancestors, right? In the Kemetic tradition, okay, Osir, each ancestor is called an Osir, okay? And in, I say, you know, in Osir Kiti, I mean to you, it's the collective ancestral spirit, okay? That's the way that we venerate the ancestors in Heninsu, right? And when you look at certain certain passages in the uh, in the Pertem Heru, it talks about making offerings, how offerings should be made to your ancestors at the shrine of Osir. Okay, so the collective ancestors are venerated through Osir. Kinti Amintiu, Osir, the chief or foremost of the Westerners, right? And the Westerners are the ancestors, right? And, you know, they are considered Westerners because the west, the direction in which the sun set, was associated with the spirit realm. Okay, the duats. Right? Those that lived on the west bank of the Nile. Right? Were the ancestors. Okay? So, right? Osir. Right? And in some instances, right? You'll see passages where it says, Osir is the entire duat. Right? This is speaking to Osir as the collective ancestral spirit. Right? So, um, wanted to wanted to lay that down, right? So the equivalent of the Egungun in the Yoruba tradition, right? Um, is the Osir, right? In the Kemetic tradition. Osir Kinti Amintiu. Okay? So with the Egungun, we see, right, that um as a result of neglecting the Egungun, right? And in actuality, you have the Egungun festival, before we even talk about that, the entire festival of the Egungun was began as a result, right, according to the story, that is, of, um, you know, one of the, you know, one of the elders, you know, looking or looking to appease his deceased and angry father, right? His father, they said they had left um, the body of the father without a proper burial. The body was actually left in an ant mound, right? In, you know, a bed of ants, okay? And as a result of that, trouble, of course, entered into the land, okay? So their Goon Goon Festival, in which the ancestral mass, right, the, the mass that 
house, the spirits of the ancestors, okay? They're brought out, they're venerated, they, you know, during this festival. But it all began in looking to appease the ancestors, okay? In the Yoruba tradition, the consequences of ancestral neglect is opposition, meaning the ancestors will oppose you, or you'll find opposition to many of your goals, right? Why is that? Everything, once again, that happens, okay, in this realm, ultimately stems from the spirit realm, but before it can come into this realm from the spirit realm, okay, it must first pass through the ancestors. And if the ancestors are good, and if whatever it is is for the good, then they'll allow it to pass, right? But if it's not good, they'll prohibit it from passing, or if they're not in a good place themselves, right? If the ancestors are not well, if they're neglected, or they're dissatisfied, okay? We'll feel that dissatisfaction, or we'll see a result. We'll see the results of them not being in a position to prohibit or check things that don't need to pass, right? Or forces, right? Malefic forces that um, are enemies to stand opposed to our goals, okay? We'll have no assistance against these things, okay? Nothing to fight them off because... We've neglected our ancestors. So, opposition to our goals, okay? Another reason for the opposition is because because we're not venerating our ancestors, right? That compass, right, is not, uh, you know, in operation. We're not receiving guidance from them. So, there is not an alignment between our goals and the goals of our ancestors, right? And because... They, they, how you say, they exist on a level where their, their vision, right, their, the scope of their, their reach and the scope of their vision is much more broader than us. Their, you know, their vision is more far-reaching. They're able to see things beyond what we're able to see at this moment, you see. So certain things that we may think may be for our benefit. Or something that we should do, in actuality, is not for our benefit. And we see such, right? We, we realize that in due time, right? But if we were open in open communion with our ancestors, through venerating our ancestors, through keeping their shrine, through, um, you know, meditating at the shrine, performing divination, right? Ancestral possession, getting that communication through our ba. Right? Then, right, we know that we shouldn't pursue this particular objective. Okay? Because our goals will be aligned with the goals of our ancestors. Because, right, it's funny, right? I heard, I heard, um, you know, everyone, of course, saw the, uh, you know, everyone saw the, the, um, what do you call it? The interview with the brother Dame Dash, right? Where, you know, he made a statement that was very, you know, it was very profound. You know, he was talking about the boss mentality versus, uh, 
you know, uh, employee or whatever the case may be. But, you know, he made a he made an important statement. He said, I hustle for my last name, not my first. Okay? That's a powerful, powerful, powerful statement. It's a powerful statement, right? That statement, and, you know, I don't know what the brother's into, but that statement is as African as it gets. Right? That statement's as African as it gets. Right? It's the African approach to understand that family is first. Right? Ancestral veneration is important because family is first. Right? And we work not just for ourselves, but for our seeds. And for our ancestors who will come back through us, through our seeds. Okay? And in our community, it consisted of the living and the living deceased. Okay? And those that are yet to return. Right? And we work for them. We work for our last name, for our families, not for our first. Okay? Taking the same principle, understand that the ancestors work for their lineage. They work for their bloodline. Their primary concern is the evolution and overall survival and, and thriving, right? The optimization of their bloodline. The ancestors work for their last names. They work for their family, right? Whereas we, in our, in our disconnect from our ancestral ways, right? We may actually work for our first names. We work to become superstars, right? We work for our egos, right? We work to be the king of the Negroes. <laughs> you know what I mean? We work for ourselves, okay, as a result of being disconnected from my ancestral traditions and disconnected from our ancestors through failure to venerate them. Okay? And as a result of that, we'll find opposition in many cases to our goals. Okay? Because it's out of alignment with the ancestors who have generations in mind. Okay? But we're only thinking of ourselves in the moment. Right? So, right? That's one of the consequences, according to the Yoruba, opposition. Another one is the disruption of the continuity of one's lineage. That's a very critical one. We talked about that last week from the comedic tradition. How the disruption of the lineage, like, you know, as a result of uh, neglecting the ancestors Right You won't have children One won't have children To venerate them And this means either One will, one will fail to have children Right Which means infertility Or the quality of the children That they have Okay Will be so poor That they'll, be, they'll neglect them Right Their children will oppress them Kill them. 
Okay, disrespect them. Right? This is important. Okay? Pretty much in every tradition that we're going to look at today, fertility is intricately connected to the practice of ancestral veneration. And we talked about how in those in Osarian tradition, Osarian represents also the seed. Right? He's in the chair of husbandry, fertility. Right? He literally represents the seed of the father. Okay? But seed in general, husbandry, agriculture, right? Fertility. Okay? And, you know, this is connecting the ancestors once again to these things, to agriculture, to fertility in the land, right? We connected the fertility of the land and all of that with the story of seven-year famine, right? So, this fertility also speaks to the actual fertility in sexual reproduction and having children, okay? Um, neglecting one's ancestors can cause one to become infertile or reduce the quality of the seeds that come through, the children that come through. We did a show a while back called um, The Three Sons of Osir. Right? The Three Sons of Osir. We talked about um, how these three sons, right? Bobby, who many don't know, actually, right? Bobby, Anpu, and Heru. Okay? And Bobby represents that, that primitive man, right? That animalistic man, that that man that is almost ape like, primate like, right? That man that is overly obsessed with sex and violence, right? Walks around with a hard on, right? Is a cannibal, eats eats your entrails upon seeing you, kills you on sight, right? That type of person that is obsessed, overly obsessed with sex and violence, okay? That's the type of person that comes through as a result of a break in the continuity of the ancestral lineage. As a result of ancestral neglect, right? Babi represents that new soul, that new ba, right? That, that young ba, okay? But if the circle is kept, if the lineage is kept, and one continues to venerate their ancestors, then Osir, right, when one leaves this place as Heru, right, whether you're male or female, the living descendant as Heru, right, keeping the shrine, sitting on the throne of your ancestors, okay, furthering their work, glorifying their name, right, as you make your transition into the spirit realm, you become Osir. And another Osir comes back through the ancestral line as Heru. That's a circle. So they always, right, become. Heru becomes Osir and Osir becomes Heru. And that's a circle, right? But for whatever reason, if that circle is ever broken, then Heru may not come back. Babi may come through. <laughs> okay And um, you know That's the result Right Right Bobby comes to as a result of 
a break in the ancestral line, a break in, in ancestral veneration, a generation obsessed with sex and violence, a generation that does not respect the ancestors, their elders, a generation that, that cannot be trained or disciplined, they must learn through um, trial and error, they must learn through um, they must learn the hard way to get it because it's like starting from scratch. Okay? We see the same principle at play in the Yoruba tradition. Okay? A disruption of the continuity of the lineage. Okay? Before we go any further, we're going to open up the lines. Man, we get into this thing, about to get into some of the other traditions, right? And how this thing is, you know, it's a universal understanding here, right? That's what we want to demonstrate. For those of you that are just tuning in, this is your brother, Uncle Nu. You're listening to Cool Kim Radio, dealing with the subject, the importance of ancestral veneration, and the consequences of ancestral neglect, part two. Going to open up the lines. If you'd like to call in and add on your comment or question, by all means, feel free to do so. We'd love to hear from you. And if by chance you have something that you'd like to say or add, but you don't necessarily want to call in, feel free to leave that comment or question in the Talks Live chat room. We'll get to it ASAP. Okay. Hatcha Poo! Marina Church, you're on the air. That's a boom. All right, oh, you too. Okay, well, that uh, yeah, that was a hell of a way <laughs> to uh start. Um, I thought that the like the analogy, um, this uh, you know, the part that you brought up about food was was really, you know, really clear. Um, not so much in the in the okay, looking at it like okay, this is a living a living organism and it's self-sustaining, and so you uh, by by not um, not so much in not feeding it, but in uh, feeding it's it's like somebody just eating what they like or eating you know junk all the time, like. You hear cases all the time when people like are brought up living, um, brought up eating McDonald's, and so they like chicken nuggets or whatnot. And so they, I have a cousin that has some dishes, um, and so <laughs> they don't want to eat anything. Like starting off from kids, don't want to eat anything but but chicken nuggets. And so um, as a result, like it's something where you can you can. Um, Sometimes you, you know, you have a little bit of energy to, to do whatever. Sometimes you're successful in uh, following what you, well, not really what you think is right. It's more like a thing of, of what stimulates you. But, uh, and I think that's a, a, a lot of um, what's going on today with, with black folk in general. But just eating stuff that is not necessarily nourishing to your body, and so after a while, your body starts <laughs> feeling the effects of whatever, you know, whatever you're taking in or not taking in. So, 
Yeah, that really, really helped to spell it out. Word. Word, word, word. All right. Um, yeah, I didn't have, have too much to, to say or any questions. I thought it was, it was pretty timely because I had been uh, thinking a lot about, you know, ancestral lineage and, and um, actually had started reading a book a couple of days ago on um, astrology and uh, family dynamics and how a lot of your um, the cycles and whatnot that you see pop up in your, your life are a continuation um, directly from those who preceded you. Mm. And so there's like a way to like really get into it and figure out, okay, okay, this is why I'm, I'm, uh, you know, the way I am, and this is this is why, uh, you know, this is happening. And it's like um, by acknowledging uh, some of those those events and whatnot, you uh, it helps to bring attention and, and bring energy to to that area so that you can rid the area of, of stagnation if you run into difficulties in your life and whatnot. But um Two. Yeah, it's, it's some some heavy stuff, so I'm I'm listening and looking forward to more. All right, I say that's a good word. Appreciate it. You All right, two two, heads up. All right, head to pool. Dennis, you're on the air. What's up, brother? All right, two, two. What's a good word? Uh, man, I don't really got nothing right now, man. Uh, it's good stuff, you know. Uh, All right. Them, All right, that's a good word. I'll check back with you. All right, brother. What's up? Two, head to pool. That's a pool, Sim Solid Bet, you on the air. That's a pool. Choo choo. Um let's see, I actually had a question regarding um like the miscare of Christmas. You say of Christmas? So uh, no, uh feed. Speed. Speed. Say it one more time. Speed. S P E E D. Speed. Yes. Okay. Um, and if um there if, if there first of all if there is such a despair, and how can we um invoke communicate with with that despair? Um. Regarding, you know, improvement in our life and our society in uh, like the fastest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I say that's 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 an interesting question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I say the um. Actually, you know, the, let's say in, in pretty much every tradition, right, 
the uh, than the chair of speed, so to speak, right? That you know, and you know, it's it's not really a, you know, it's not really like their function per se, but you know, their their job is to make sure that things continue to go efficiently, right? And you know, um, that's that's the open of the way in most traditions, right? Which is a which is a merc you know mercurial um, force, right? Um, Mercury force. So, in the comedic tradition, that would be Anpu or, or Wapuat. Okay, and in um, you know in other traditions, you know we're talking about um, Eshu or or you know Elegbara, right? But um, for the most part, that's the force, right? That is responsible for that, you know Anpu. But you know, with that being said, they don't. I say they don't um, hurry things up. Right, because they, you know, when we look at we look at life, right? We look at life and we look at you know what you know Mahat is, what Shai is. There's a design, there's a flow that is in play, right? There's there's all kinds of things and you know schemes already set in motion, and it's kind of like um, in keeping with our earlier analogy with the. Uh, Understanding of these forces and the ancestors, like the same way we understand, like the insides of our body, right? Think about think about the flow and motions of life, like the circulation of your blood. Okay, and the and the the circulation and the dissemination of nutrients and and whatnot. Um, our goals, right? The good things, etc., so on, right? It's like the flow of our blood, the dissemination of these nutrients, and making sure that they're able to get from point A to point B without um, going through, you know, any blocks, right? Without encountering any blocks, anything, um, you know, that's going to prohibit it from getting there, um, you know, etc. and so on, right? So it's like there's a flow, and our job is mainly to make sure that, you know, the the path of the flow stays clear so that the flood waters can reach the you know reach the the land reach the surface without uh you know without any problems okay so um that's that's the that's the way to understand it is it's not really anything to to speed it up now let's say in in the case where okay something might be lagging because there's something that we need to do, and we haven't done it yet. So a good way to think about that is like, okay, there's a there's like a clot or a blockage, and all of the all of the blood is building up right at right at that point. Okay, so there could be a lot of shechem, whatever it is that we're waiting on. It could be like right at the threshold, right at the door, but there's something wrong. Either in our, you know, in our minds, you know, the way that we're looking at things, the way we're thinking about things, or there's there's something that we need to do ritual-wise to to remove that block, something that we something that needs to change, basically, when we when, when we all, when it all boils down to it, right? Something that needs to change, and in instances like that, okay, um, it may call for a ritual, it may call for a sacrifice, and you know, a lot of times that sacrifice will, you know, it'll serve almost like, um, let's say you got a dam, and you might put some dynamite 
at that dam to blow blow the rocks away so the water that can uh, that has built up by the dam dam can come you know come pouring through. Okay. Um that's how you say that's a good way to think about um, you know, why you would perform a ritual or sacrifice, um, you know, in that particular regard, you know, is to is to remove the stagnation from the flow. Right? But um there are instances where certain things that we might want may not necessarily be um in the plan for us at this particular time. It might be down the road or it might not be for us at all. And in instances like that there's a different kind of sacrifice that needs to be made, and you know, that's that's a whole different subject. Two, <laughs> two, two. I, um, I guess pretty much I was, uh, you know, thinking uh, collectively with mm. you know, in regards to African people, and um, if. Because the ancestral veneration is probably still pretty much alive in, in a lot of the villages or cities on the continent, right? Um, yes, let's say maybe, right? In actuality, most, how you say, most of the continent, people on the continent are either Christian or Muslim. Okay? Um, now, among them, some of them, have kept, you know, or they still venerate their ancestors through different festivals and things of that nature. But a lot of them have, um, you know, actually stopped, you know, to, you know, they don't venerate their ancestors or, you know, do any of that because, you know, it's a, um, you know, it's considered devil worship. (laughs) Okay. So, um, you know, there are, there are a few that still do so, but they do it like under the guise of um you know they they do it under the guise of you know they say okay this is culture right so they make a differentiation between culture and their religion right uh mm-hmm. the brother Rod Mary he'd be a good person to you know talk about you know talk to you know for that right mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. yeah. you know Rod Mary's you know he he'd be a good person to talk talk to about that and how how they do that down in uh in Swaziland and whatnot you know they differentiate between culture and religion okay this is culture so like you know even though they might be christian or whatever they still you know when it's time to offer that cow to their ancestors they're going to make sure they offer that cow right so you know that's um that's something you do see you know ever so often but um for the most part a lot of our people are not you know they're no longer venerating the ancestors because you know the european and his Western religion and ideology has, you know, become the standard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that that's what came uh, from the duat for this collective experience. You you ask uh, is that what that's what's come come forth from the duat? Uh, that, the, the, yeah, this experience collectively that we. Um, are experiencing as African people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, definitely. I, know, I was just like, what is the fastest path to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you know, changing the situation and, and lifting ourselves up out of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I kind of mentioned it last week. You know, I said that if, if African people 
worldwide decided to to start venerating their ancestors, you see a change yeah. overnight. You see a change overnight. I I'm almost willing to put all all the two cents I got on it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I do remember you saying that last week. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's. But I say even even getting the mind to the point to even thinking about doing that. We gotta, you know, we gotta start there. But um, you know, it's let's say in regards to um, this coming forth from the duat. Yeah, definitely. Right now, now why it came forth from the duat? Um, you know, of course, Maat is always the end goal of whatever it is that we got going on. Um, you know, Maat is the the overall motion of the universe. So convergence, uh, synergy, evolution. Um, you know, taking things higher, right? Becoming more, right? That's always the the flow of the universe, and ultimately, all things are headed towards that. But um, you know, the let's say the path in which things take are not always the most efficient or effective, right? There's the there's the path of least resistance, and then there's the path riddled with resistance, right? There's going with the flow of the cosmic ocean called Nu, right? Going with the flow, which is Ma'at. Um, and then there's going against the grain, right? Going against the, the tide, so to speak. Okay, so, you know, in that way, um, you know, what comes out of the Duat is, how I say, our personal decisions and our personal choices have a lot to do with that also. Okay, so um, so yeah, you know, it's like, in a sense, yeah, there is there is a great destiny at play, but also there is a role that our personal decisions have played in where we are today, also. Right, and that's what we gotta that's what we gotta deal with. Yeah. Wow. All right, I say excellent question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Dude. All right, I'll be back. Two two. At the pool. At the pool. All right, at the pool. Shoot to watch you on the air. At the pool. At the pool. All right, two two. Uh, I um, I had a shrine question. Um, a shrine question. I know that the um, I know that a few continue to mean so much. You know, um, as far as for tradition. But I was reading and it's been um it was saying something about Heru the elder predating a fear. So what I was wondering is, um, is it just in, as important to have a Heru elder shrine as well as an Okinawa shrine? Okay, yeah, that's that's a strange question, <laughs> right? But let's let's put it into into context, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you see dates on a lot of these. Um, you know, a lot of these, you know, deities, you know, a lot of these natural, they shouldn't, they should be taken with a grain of salt by, by, you know, the the African practitioner. Um, you know, those dates are coming from scholars that, you know, um, you know, they're looking at things very linearly. They're looking at Kemet in many instances as a spontaneous generation, so to speak. Like, like everything that you see in Kemet began in Kemet. Okay. But in actuality, these these Netaru were brought into Kemet. They didn't necessarily develop in Kemet. 
You know what I mean? They yes, were brought yes. into Kemet with these Africans. So yes. um, with that being said, you know, what they're saying is like the, the oldest, um, you know, they're able to attest through the documentation that they have, right, um, that, okay, Heru War or Heru the Elder may be older than Osir, right? But mm-hmm. um, that's not necessarily, um, not necessarily to say that Osir or Heru War is older than Osir, right? Because there's, you know, there's Netaru that you have documentation for that predate Heru War. Heru War is Heru Behudet, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all about, um, you know, understanding the function of these Netaru and what it is that you need to work with them for. So, Heru War, you would have a Heru War or Heru Behudet Kari um, or Shrine because Heru Behudet or Heru War is the Netaru that is going to play a very prevalent role in your life or you need to work with him for one reason or another. Okay? But as it relates to Oser you. Right, it's a big difference because Heruwar is not the ancestors. Okay, Heruwar is a force of of justice and force of protection and and things of that nature. Right, he's the chair mm-hmm. of war in the cosmology. But how you say, Osir Kitty meant to you? This is your grandmother, your grandfather. Like these, these are your people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? What? So it's, it's it's really no comparison there. Okay, so uh, okay, so basically, um, since since my site uh, is governed by Kim Ben, do you think that I should um, erect a shrine for that, or oh, ab- absolutely. Okay. Yeah, abso- absolutely, right. If if your Shai, right is um is Heru Behudet or Heru War, then you know you definitely want to have a shrine for the Niter that governs your Shai, right. So, um, you know, that's, I say, that's important, right? But I, I do want to say, you know, you, you want to, you know, let's, let's get together before you do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. no that, that, that was going to be said already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Right, definitely. But, um, yeah, you know, um, you know, the, I, think, uh, I think one of the mix-ups, though, is like war, right? When we, when we talk about Heru, Heru War, or Heru Ur, as some people say, Heru the Elder, you know, there's a tendency to think elder in the same way we think as elder, think elder as in old or ancestors, okay? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's not, that's not the case um, in this case. Like, that, that term war can also mean Heru the Great, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. as well as Heru, Heru the Elder. Yeah, he is an old, ancient Niter, right? Um, in the tradition, he's the protector of the ancestors also, right? Protector of his fathers, but... You know he's he's not um, he's not necessarily um, he is not I should say he's not the ancestors and he'd be worked with for a different reason than the one we work with or say can submit to you or, or any other in the town. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just wanted to get a better better understanding of that. Um, if it was on my mind, so all right, so I was two, no doubt. Good question. Wasn't that weird? <laughs> Here we go. Get we go. All right, it's up. That's up. All right, that's a pool. Equanif, you on the air? That's a pool. All right, you too. What's a good word? 
Nothing much, man. Just, uh, just, I'm, I'm just soaking up the information, soaking up the good words, brother. Soaking mm-hmm. up, uh, all the good energy. Um, and as it relates, um, to the Cool Kim tour, because, uh, I'm still working on definitely, uh, getting, getting my stuff squared away so I can be, uh, the proud participant on that great tour. So, uh, you know, definitely with all this, this, this good information that we are learning, can definitely mm-hmm. uh, come come to life, man. Come to life, God and self. Two. God and self. All right. I say that's a good word. So so we good to go then. To you, to you. Absolutely. All right. Appreciate you, brother. I'll be back. All right. To you. Hotel. Hotel. All right. Those of you that's just tuning in, this is your brother, Uncle New. You can sit in the Cool Kim Radio. We deal with the subject, the importance of ancestral veneration and the consequences of ancestral neglect. Right, if you're just tuning in, you didn't catch the first hour and 50 minutes of you know today's show, don't worry. All of our shows are recorded and archived, right? And will be available for you to download. Free of charge, right? Free 99, right? So you definitely want to take advantage of the show, uh, of the archives, right? We got some real good stuff, right? And you like the things that, you're, that you've heard today, you know, et cetera, so on, right? Man, we got... About a hundred shows um, archived. All of them, they're pretty. You know, we we like to be thorough, so our shows, you know, they can be lengthy. But um, you know, if you want to have a thorough understanding of African spirituality, a thorough understanding of the comedic spiritual tradition in specific, um, how to work it today, you know, then you want to get into those Kukim archives, right? This is the this is the show. This is the source for that, right? Okay, so um. Definitely, definitely. Shout out to the family in the Cool Kim uh, Talk Show Live. The brother Israel, right? Had to pull. To the brother Sam Neal in the building. Had to pull. Okay. Um, yeah, we're, you know, we're about to get into this thing. Um, dealing, with an, dealing with an important subject. I think we left off talking about the Yoruba tradition and the Agun Goon. And, um,. I think I want to go a little bit deeper into Africa before I go to, um, you know, other places, right? So I go, you know, before I go into Asia or, you know, Europe or anything like that. We want to, we want to deal with it in Africa. So let's look at some of the, some of the African traditions, okay? Um, let's talk about some of these traditions, let's begin in Kenya, okay, so amongst the, um, the Giriyama of Kenya, okay, people in Kenya, okay, they erect shrines, um, for their ancestors, okay, and, right, it's, it's sort of like a totem, right, and that's something that you see in Kemet. You see um, statues for the ancestors or uh, standards, right? Sticks, you know, big sticks or poles with um, a mask or or the head of the ancestor on it. Not the literal head, but like, you know, a replica of the head. You know, something like that. Or, you know, different, you know, aspects of Osir being carried in standard form. Ritual mask. Um, during his festivals, okay? So you have something similar to that amongst the Giriyama of Kenya 
um, their goon goon. They carry the big mask in in their tradition also. Okay, I want to say the Dogon. They do something similar, right? But um, these the Gimiyama, right? They um built these wooden stick monuments to represent their ancestors, and you know what they do is they carve a stick that is about two inches thick, nine inches wide, and five feet tall, and they keep it over the graves of their ancestors. Okay, and you know they carve different figures on it, but um you know for poor people. They use a shorter stick and, you know, they put a piece of cloth on the top. And, um, you know, the figure is placed at the base. Okay? Now, they offer a bowl made of coconut where offerings are poured. Okay? And they also sacrifice sheep, okay, and bulls. Okay? On behalf of their ancestors. The animal that is sacrificed is killed and the blood is poured from the animal into the bowl. Okay, so this is a very, right, this is a very common ancestral uh, veneration motif, right? The sacrifice of the bull, especially for one's ancestors. This is a part, for instance, of the opening of the mouth ceremony. One slaughters a bull, right, for their ancestors, okay, and, you know, Certain parts of that bull is offered to the ancestors, the forelegs, the joints, right? Um, you know, you might offer the horns, the blood, okay? Same thing in the Yoruba tradition, you know, and what have you, okay? Now, if the, you know, if someone, right, is, uh, become sick amongst the Giriyama people. They perform divination to see whether or not the the illness, okay, is due to neglect of the ancestors. And as a result of that, they sacrifice a goat. Now this is important, right? They sacrifice a goat near those monuments for the ancestors that we mentioned. And they let the blood flow into the coconut bowl. Okay? And that is, uh, you know, that is to, to appease the ancestor. A piece of the goat skin is tied around a stick or, you know, uh, it may require food, beer, or other things. Okay? Alright? So this is, uh, that is... Once again, from the Giriyama people, right? They understand that ancestral veneration is important, that if they are neglected, then illness or disease can enter into the people. Okay? And as a result of that, they must have sacrificed a goat. It's very interesting because when they are, when they are erecting these monuments for their ancestors, the totems, right? Um, they sacrifice a sheep or a ram. Okay, and a bull, which is the same offerings as an, that's uh, offered to the ancestors in both the Kemetic tradition and the Yoruba tradition. It's a ram and a bull, right? Or as we say it in Kemet, a ba and a ka, 
<laughs> okay? However, in the instance where um, ancestor needs to be appeased, then normally, or false needs to be appeased, right, due to neglect or transgression, then a goat or an animal that is uh, associated with sutes, right, such as a goat, okay, such as um, a red bull, right, or a red dog, okay, will be offered to the ancestors to appease it, right? That's, that's a very interesting thing, okay? When you're looking to elevate the ancestors, you offer a bull, you offer a ram, but if you're looking to appease them, okay, you offer an, you offer um, a you know a an animal that traditionally was has been associated with the enemies of Osir, right? The enemies of the ancestors, right? The enemies of certain deities in the cosmologies and whatnot. So, right, that's an interesting thing that we're able to notice right there in the tradition. Um, another thing is the um, Right, the fact that, you know, when we're looking at the uh, difference between elevation and, and appeasing, okay, both of those, right, both of those things, right, whether we fail to elevate them or we fail to appease them can result in, um, you know, the illness, right, entering into the, um, you're entering into the tradition. Right, or entering into the community, pardon me, into the family, right, disease. But um, another thing, right, what I wanted to touch on was the goat, the fact that the goat is offered, right, the goat is offered to appease the ancestors for, you know, for wrongdoing or neglect amongst the Giriyama people of Kenya. Um, a goat is offered in Kemet, right, to appease, right, in association with, you know, the slaughter of the enemy, okay, um, Likewise, we also find it in the, you know, the whole idea of a scapegoat, okay? The whole concept of a scapegoat, right? Especially when we look at, uh, you know, quote-unquote Judaism. Every year, they slaughter a goat in which they put all of the sins, right? All of the wrong of their people, right, on the head of this goat, and they slaughter this goat, okay? So... Right, this is a very, very, very um, interesting thing that has even crept its way into the big three, right? And this same concept, right? This same concept, what's today? Today is, today is Ishtar, right? <laughs> you know, this same concept of the scapegoat, okay? Or the offering of a lamb or a ram, right? To atone, Okay? Is what's being celebrated around the world today amongst uh, Christians, right? Whereas, you know, Jesus has taken the position of the ram in the sacrifice, okay? He's the ram in the bush, so to speak, okay? They call him the lamb of God, whatever the case may be, right? It's, it's you know, don't, let's just look at it this way. Right, let's look at it this way. In running away from, okay, 
our ancestral traditions, many of us have actually bought into a watered-down, calcified, um, homogenized, right, poor, perverse replica of, right, the real deal, which is the African authentic thing, okay? And, you know, we bought into something that is literally a poor, a poor copy without the carbon. <laughs> right? We bought into a poor copy without the carbon that has absolutely no juice in it for us. There's no juice in it. Any juice that's in it, we brought with us. Right? We're getting high off our own juice. <laughs> okay? But it's, a, you know, it's, it's literally the same ideas behind it. Right? The sacrifice. Okay? The sacrifice. Right? Offering a sacrifice to the deity. Okay? On our behalf. To atone. Right? You, you see that concept. Okay? You see that concept. So, um, you know, this is, this is something that we have to recognize, okay? Right, we've we've had these things all along. We don't need anyone to come and try and give us a watered down, empty, weak version of it. Okay, right? Our traditions have actual juice in it to do things for us, right? To get things moving for us, right? So that's that's what we want to understand, right? Okay. Going further, let's go deeper into Africa. Right, we talked about the Akan, okay, and how the Akan um, venerate their ancestors through the stools. And earlier in today's show, we talked about um, how our uh, Kemet or Set, right, representing the throne, represents or corresponds to the ancestral lineage. She is the she is the bridge between Osir as the ancestors and Heru as the living descendants, okay? So, the throne also represents the shrine, okay? Because it is through the shrine that Osir is engaged, right? It is through the shrine that Osir is engaged. And, you know, when we look at most of the depictions of offerings being made to the Netaru, okay? In the, you know, in the comedic reliefs, right? Whenever we look at them, majority of the time we find the Netaru sitting on thrones while a priest or priestess pours libations or makes offerings before them while they're seated on the throne. Okay? It is the same concept, right? When you go into the temple, right? The temple in... Uh, of Heru at Behudet was called the uh, the great seat, okay, the great seat, right, or the great throne, okay. Important concept. When you go into the temple, you don't see a throne; you see a shrine, right. You go into these temples, you don't see thrones; you see a shrine. But on the walls, you don't see the shrine; you see a throne. You might see an offering table before the throne sometimes, but a lot of the times you see the, the chair seated on the throne and the individual before them making offerings. 
Right? This is the this is the connection, that kinship between the comedic tradition and the Akan tradition. Okay? Very important. Right? Okay, so the Akan, okay, the Akan, I think I'm gonna read this passage from my uh from my book also, Remembering Gosea. Okay, as it relates to the 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 uh the the stools, okay, pardon me. As it relates to the stools, okay, the stool pardon me, or set is the lineage, the link between the living and their ancestors. This is the function of the shrine to serve as a link between the two realms. Oset's name, which is also her chief symbol, seat, meaning seat, throne, or place. This relationship between the shrine, throne, and the lineage is still alive and present today, uh, and present today in modern African traditions, especially West Africa, as in the case of the Asante and the Akan of Ghana. Um, according to David Kumar in his thesis on stools in the Asante culture, the stool is also a sacred object when... In association with prestigious people, it is used in ancestor veneration. Through it, people establish and maintain contact with their ancestors, whose aim is the successful functioning of society. Stools are generally carved or decorated to carry deep symbolic meanings, which are powerful vehicles of strong ties with the ancestors, and hence with the spiritual realm. As far as the state is concerned, they serve as the occasional abodes of the so-called spirits of the departed ancestors. They serve as ancestral shrines through which ceremonies relating to the ancestors are performed. On special occasions like Ade, okay, the spirits soon soon of the departed ancestors are invoked to enter into them, the stools, because it is believed that they have now acquired new and greater power and influence which can be used in the interest of the living. Alright? That's the Akan tradition. Okay? That is the, the stool and ancestral veneration amongst the Akan tradition. Okay? And likewise, you know, if the ancestors are neglected, Okay? Illness strikes the family, okay? And divination is performed to figure out whether or not uh, or who the neglected ancestor, the angry ancestor is, and then sacrifices are made on their behalf. Okay? We also see this concept, um, or let's say in the case of the Akan, right? They pour... Once again, the blood of a sheep, also egg yolk, okay, into the center of the stool. Right? Important, important, important. <laughs> the Tiriki of Kenya, right? They have a tree, sacred trees or branches from a tree, right? With that they place stones around and the blood of chicken. It's poured over the stones, right? The Mende, they perform rituals, you know, at the hills or the graveside, 
um, and, you know, also have a plant that is associated with the ancestral ritual that sits at the ritual or, or the entrance, okay? And they also make offerings of rice and palm oil mixed with animal uh, fat or animal meat, okay? So we're seeing this same, uh, the same concept. Again, um, with, the, with the, the, let's say, the idea or the motif of the throne, right, amongst the Tsar people, or, or pardon me, the practitioners of the Tsar tradition, Tsar, for those, you know, if you're not familiar with, with the Tsar, Tsar is the East African equivalent to West African voodoo, Okay? And especially, uh, especially when we're talking about Haitian voodoo or New Orleans voodoo or, you know, traditions such as, um, uh, you know, Santeria, which have become uh, syncretic due to, you know, uh, slavery or colonialization, right? In the case of, um, you know, in the case of the Tsar tradition in East Africa, it is heavily a result of the East African slave trade, okay? And it's practiced amongst the people in, uh, you know, in Egypt, right? In the Sudan, in Eritrea, in Ethiopia, and even amongst the so-called Hebrews or African Jews in Israel, okay? It is a tradition of spirit possession, right? But um, basically... This tradition uh, centers around, it's about healing. It's about medicine. And if someone is ill or someone's life is going, right, going uh, wrong, right, things are going wrong in someone's life, right, they perform divination to figure out which spirit is responsible for it. And then the initiate, right, the person is initiated into the path of that particular spirit or ancestor, and they're wedded to that spirit. Okay? Um, but in that particular tradition, the throne is also called, um, or let's say the shrine is also called a throne. Okay? In the Tsar tradition. Okay? Right? In, in Kemet, or in Egypt, it's called Al-Kursi. Al-Kursi which means the chair or the stool, right? And the shrine is covered with white cloth and decorated with candles and offerings of dates and nuts and chocolate and sweets and cakes and fruits and milk and sugar. Okay, these things are placed on the shrine in which the deity or the ancestor is invoked, okay? And during the ritual, there's animal sacrifice that is made and the blood is poured Onto the shrine and also onto the initiate. Okay? This is a universal practice in Africa. Right? It's a universal practice traditionally, I should say. Okay? We can even look at um, the Zulu. Right? The Zulu people, right? Hold that their ancestors live. In the spirit realm of Unkulunkulu, right? And they regard them as intermediaries between the living and the spirit world, okay? And as a result, um, they make offerings 
right? And they praise them, um, and they remember them, okay? If something wrong goes on amongst the Zulu, then the Sangoma, right, the Sangoma, right, the traditional priest, is consulted, and they perform divination once again to determine whether or not the event is caused by negative juju or failure to appease the spirits. In the case of the latter, a sacrifice is made, okay, a sacrifice is made to appease the spirit. Okay? If the ancestors are not remembered, Okay? All of the ancestors, right? That's the thing. If all of the ancestors are not remembered, right? If they're forgotten, then they may seek to visit trouble amongst those whose responsibility it is to remember them. Okay? That's the Zulu. <laughs> All right? We can also look to the Berber, North African, right? The Berbers. Okay, traditional Berber um, practice is a practice of ancestral veneration, first and foremost. And in actuality, it was, um, it was either wedded with or born out of the comedic tradition. Okay? But there's a practice amongst the Berbers to venerate the spirit of their ancestors and to actually deify them, okay? They swore or took oaths by them, and they consulted with them, right? So this is what, you know, what people refer to, you know, with what the Wazungu refers to as necromancy, right? Divining and communion with the, with the deceased, okay? The Berbers, right, the people of North Africa, Right? Morocco, Mauritania, okay? Libya, right? They performed ancestor veneration, right? They communicated with their ancestors. They took oaths by their ancestors, right? They performed ancestral divination and possession to communicate with them, right? They prayed. They prayed on the grave of their ancestors. Okay? They prayed on the grave of their ancestors and slept on their tombs or in their tombs to receive answers from their ancestors and insight from their ancestors through dreams. All right? <laughs> Very important, okay? This is a this is once again a universal practice. And of course, Africa is huge, so we can't go throughout the entire African continent. But I'm willing to put money on it. Okay, willing to put money on it. That no matter where we go, we're gonna find this practice on the African continent traditionally. Okay? Um I think real quick, one more thing I forgot to to Mentioned in regards to the czar of East Africa, right? The East African equivalent of voodoo, 
or Santeria, right, or New Orleans voodoo, is that, you know, because the people there have been heavily, uh, you know, Muslimized, right, or Christianized, or, or, you know, have become Jewish or Hebrew converts, um, you know, the, the, the African tradition has been um, integrated or concealed, hidden within the Islam, within the, the Judaism, within the Christianity. Just like in the case of Santeria. So you see African deities and ancestors being venerated, okay, under the guise of, you know, different, um, you know, Muslim heroes or, you know, Islamic ancestors or whatever the case may be. Right? That's all tradition today. People still practice this. All right? Practice in upper and lower Kemet today, amongst the Nubians and people, you know, in uh, some parts of Cairo and in the Delta. All right, so see where we're at. I think we're going to open up the line, see if we have any questions or comments so far before we deal with. The Asian and the Indian, okay, and then come back and wrap things up. But um, we all open up the lines. Those of you that are just tuning in, this is your brother Unpanu. You're listening to Cool Kim Radio, dealing with the subject, the importance of ancestral veneration, the consequences of ancestral neglect. Okay. If you like to call in, you have something that you'd like to say or add, comment or question, by all means, feel free to do so. We'd love to hear from you. And if by chance you have something that you'd like to say or add, but you don't necessarily want to call in, feel free to leave that comment or question in the Talks Live chat room. We'll get to it A-S-A-P. All right. Going to start things off with the QM. That's a pool, Marina Turks. That's a pool. That's a pool. Nope. <laughs> okay, I say I can't hear you, so I'm going to go to the brother Dennis. That's a pool. Dennis, you on the air. Come on there, that's a cool, brother. All right, two, two. Hey, man, I want to know, what's, what's, the, what's the significance of using blood? I mean, I know, um, like, the Christian, um, you know, kind of purpose of it, but just in general, what's the, what's the significance of using blood? Okay, <clears throat> very good question, very good question, important question, right? Um, when we talk about what blood is, Right? And what it represents. Your blood is literally like the, the physical counterpart of our life force. Right? So blood is life. 
So when we offer blood, we're, we're literally offering life. And we're offering the life force of whatever it is, you know, that we're, that we're sacrificing to that ancestor to add on to their life. Right? Um, you know, that's, how you say, that is one, how you say, that's one significance of it, right? You know, the blood literally represents the physical um, counterpart of the life force. And it, how you say, the denseness of the blood makes it very, very powerful. You know what I mean? It's like, um, for instance... We can't we can't eat the life force directly, right? So we eat it through a little bit more dense foods. Like we can't eat sunlight directly. You know, now I know the argument. Some of some of our our spaced out and spooky, um, you know, family. You know, they want to talk about breatarianism and you know, you know, eating sunlight or sun gazing and living off of that and all of that. Okay, <laughs> but you know, I heard about that. You said you heard about that? No, I haven't heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some some of them talk about that, man. But you know, yeah, they talk about it. Let's let's leave that there. <laughs> right, right, but right. um, you know, the um, you know, we eat. We do need the sunlight, and we take in the life force from the sunlight through you know what we call the energy chain, right? So you know, you look at um you know, the quote-unquote food chain or the energy chain, the sun hits the vegetation directly. And, you know, so the vegetation is going to have a more, it's going to be closer to that direct life force than, let's say, the herbivore that eats the vegetation. Okay? And the herbivore is going to have a closer um, proximity to that life force or that light than the omnivore that eats the herbivore. Okay, and the omnivore is going to be closer in proximity to the to the life force or the sunlight than the carnivore that eats the omnivore, right? And the 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 carnivore is is furthest away in proximity or degrees of separation from the pure life force or light than all the previous mentioned. Okay, so in eating the um, you know in eating the carnivore, right, we're not going to get as much life, pure shechem, so to speak, as we would if we were going to eat, let's say, the omnivore, the herbivore, or the vegetable itself. Okay? So, in understanding that, right, but we, you know, we have to go through some type of medium in order for our bodies to be able to process it because we can't do just the pure light. Itself, okay. So, with the blood, right? The blood is the vehicle for the actual life force in the same way that you know the foods that we eat are the vehicles for the for that life force, right? But the blood, the density of the blood, um, right? It's it's a very very powerful, um, very very powerful medium for the ancestors, right? Another thing, um. When you're performing certain sacrifices and offerings, it might call for it might call for blood because, you know, in some traditions it's taught that any time that anything is born, blood is spilled. Okay? And if there's something that you're trying to make happen, something that you're trying to birth into the world, some kind of goal or some kind of objective, blood is spilled, okay, either to remove the obstruction 
or because, you know, you're trying to give birth to something, so there must be blood also. Okay? And I think a few weeks back we talked about how, um, I think we did, a, we did an entire series on sacrifice. Okay? Um, the science of sacrifice and, and how that blood that's being spilled actually, in many cases, takes the place of our own blood. Okay? We're given a life in the place of our own life in those rituals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> that's cool. That's cool. Uh, how do we gain, I guess, that that significance, or like you know what I'm saying, by us not, by us not using, you know what I'm saying, blood like over here, because you know it's not it's not that common over here to you know kill kill um a certain sacrifice and and you know use it in ritual, but um. Like just saying, uh, does that make our ritual less powerful? Okay. By not by not using blood. Okay, good question. Good question, right? Um, I would say that, you know, in a in a in a way, yes, your your rituals your rituals do um do or may require the offering of blood. And, you know, sometimes that blood offering is what it's going to take in order to make your shrine really pop, right? Um, however, right, it's about, it's not just about blood as it is about, you know, knowing what to offer also. So, you know, you don't, like, you don't just offer any kind of blood or do like, you know, like the, um, you know, like we see the, the YZ doing on TV, on his on his shows and whatnot, taking a, a dagger and slicing his hand open and, and offering blood like that. You know, you don't necessarily want to do that. <laughs> okay? Right, right. But, um, you know, and as far as, let's say, as far as uh, those that are looking to practice, this is why I say it's very important to practice the tradition as a community, if, if possible. Um, but, you know, don't be afraid... Don't be afraid once you know what needs to be done to go and let's say if you need to if you need to get a goat, right? Don't be afraid to to head out into the country to a farm and buy a goat. Matter of fact, you can you can look on Craigslist and see see where you can get a goat. Or see where you can get a ram. Right? Right. Um you know, but in any case, those a lot of those offerings they're going to require um, having more than one person because you know the animals are. You know, I say you know how we say down here, dumb strong. <laughs> yeah, you know the animals, the animals are dumb strong. So you know, um, it's good that when uh, you know when certain things need to be done. They're done as a collective so that you have assistance and, um, you know, you know, you can actually go in, um, pitch in as far as on the offerings, purchasing of, of the animals or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, but another thing is if you're not necessarily at a place to do that, then, you know, um, you can employ a priest or a priestess to do so on your behalf. Right, that's the importance of practicing this thing as a tradition, right? Uh, or as a community, pardon me. Yeah. 
Okay? So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it, but I would say, you know, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, sooner or later, you know, the joint is going to, you know, get exactly what it needs. Right? But, um, and how you say, you know, in, in the case of, um, like, with the, with the natural and things of that nature, you know, there's very special circumstances where blood is offered, you know, you guys will learn more about that later on, but, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's rituals that we'll be doing in Hinesu as a collective, um, you know, on behalf of the ancestors and, and, um, you know, elevation that is done. The way that we elevate the ancestors as a collective in Hinesu, right, we, we uh, do it in a way where everyone will be able to benefit from, from the offerings that are made. So, um, yeah, right, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sweat that too much, but you'll, you'll be able to do what you need to do, you know, when it's time to do it, no doubt. Cool. Yeah, I was just curious, man. Um, <clears throat> another thing, man, um, as far as dealing with your parent in the chair, like, is it, do you have a responsibility to venerate them more or venerate him or her more? Your your parent in the chair? Yeah, to, like, to cultivate, you know what I'm saying, that within you, you know? Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I say that that particular force is, like, predominant in your, within your person, within your car, right? So, so um, with that said, you're always going to be more inclined to, to express it, to give it expression, to do what it wants, right? But um, as far as the shrine, you know, building the shrine for it and working with it, um, it's all about what it is that, that needs to be done. That's the thing, right? Our traditions are very, very practical. It's about what's called for. It's about what needs to be done, right? So, you know, like, I think I mentioned it during the Iria Ket, you know, the ritual class on, on Tuesday, that, you know, um, just because, you know, your car might, you know, be, you know, might be from a particular niter, right, does not mean that that is the niter that you need to be initiated into or need to work with all the time. You know, in some cases, yeah, right? You you work with it. You cultivate all the positive qualities that you that you have potentially within you already, right? That you're born with. You cultivate those things. You bring them um, to full expression, and um, you balance out or correct some of the some of the liabilities within the personality. But in some instances, your destiny, your shahi, might be to um, might call on you to um, actually do something that your car is not necessarily, um, you know, personally equipped for, okay? Like, you know, your it might be a different type, type of expression that you need to cultivate. So, yeah, I think we gave the example of, okay, someone that is naturally congregative, naturally an all-embracing kind of person, which is going to go into the, the question that the QM posted in the, in the uh, Talks to Live, right? Someone that is a naturally all-including, all-embracing type of person, um, but they're, you know, that is going to be a problem with them this time around. Because, um, you know, they're going to find themselves looking to congregate or, or unify with people that are vibrating differently than them, that are, that are internally different 
than them, have different principles, different functions, etc., so on, and by uniting with them, they would find that it would be more harmful to them than good. So, in, you know, so in that way, they have to actually learn to cultivate the force of, of uh, you know, of protection and analysis, right? Herubehudet, for instance, to separate uh, them from, right, to, to allow them to be able to separate themselves from these people based upon internal differences instead of just trying to congregate or unite with them based on uh, external similarities, just on the sense because they're black, for instance, right, or because they're blood. Okay. Okay. Excellent question, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, I appreciate the um, appreciate the feedback and the answer. Uh, you too. Okay, that's on there. All right, good to go. Good to go, brother. What's up? See you. Head to pool. All right. Sim Sally Bet, you on the air. Head to pool. All right, you too. Head to pool. I'm uh, I'm actually good to go. All right. How you say? That's that's a good word. <laughs> you. All you. right. Head to pool. Head to pool. Okay. Head to pool. Simps to watch. You on the air? Head to pool. Two two. Head to pool. <laughs> I'm actually good to go too. I'm with I'm with Kim Kelly back. All right. Okay, we're in good place. That's what I'm like. That's why I like to help. <laughs> All right, to you. Heads up. Yeah, heads up. Okay, and see, we get back to the QM. Heads up, Marina Turd. You wanna you want me to just take your question on the uh your inner talk to live, or did you have some more? You on the air? All right. Okay, yeah, like, I can't even hear you right now. Okay, so we'll take your question in the talk to live. Um, Marita Turt, right, she asks, in the breakdown of family kinship system, people are gravitating towards a global family. How is, or is this, problematic to ancestral veneration? All right, that's an excellent question. Excellent question. Yeah, you know, the, the Western Western um, system of globalization, Western imperialism, and just, the, you know, the Western, the Western, you know, the way they do things, like, they always, there's this new age approach or push or shift towards this universal uh, one love, no disrespect to the Rastas, right? This universal, all, I say, this one uh, you know, human family, um, you know, diversity is not necessarily, uh, is not a good thing, right? This universal, uh, colorless, odorless, flavorless, blah, right? That's what, that's what, you know, society or civilization is moving towards. And there's a lot of mixing and and meshing and all of that stuff going on, okay? Um, family 
as a result of that, an ancestry as a result of that tends to lose its importance or its relevance. Okay? Um, so yeah, that is that is a problem. Right? And you know, in that we begin to lose identity, but when you when you look at what's going on uh with that, when you lose your identity, you lose your sense of, of uh heritage and ancestry, okay? and family responsibility and kinship, uh, you lose your sense of loyalty. You lose your sense of, of national agenda, right? You don't want a nation anymore because you're part of the, the world, right? You don't want a nation anymore because you're part of the one human family. You don't want um, the best or the most for your family because you're part of the one human family. You're part of the universal family, right? You don't think about lineage and ethnicity, okay, and race and these things, right? It's not that diversity is bad, okay? Diversity is what makes life possible. Right? That's how the universe comes into being through through the through the nature, right? The all creating diversity within itself. Through the one creating the many. That's how the universe and life takes place. Right? So diversity is a necessity. Okay? It's a necessity for ma'at, for order, for harmony. Okay? So, in that way, right, we should seek to maintain our identity. We should seek to maintain our ancestral lineage. We should seek to continue to, uh, you know, establish ourselves as a people, as a nation, right? Venerate our ancestors and, and, and institute our tradition into some land. Institute our culture into some land, right? That's a very important part also of African traditions. Is land and the connection to the land. Okay? We need some land. Right? We got to get some land. We got to institute ourselves into the land. Establish ourselves in the land. Right? Build our homes and our temples and our schools and our businesses and our factories in that land. Okay? And pass it down generation after generation. Building generational wealth. African people must begin to think in terms of bloodline and lineage, generational wealth, and institutional power. These three things are intrinsic. That's the terms we got to begin to think about. We got to begin to think about that and everything that we do must be aimed at that. Bloodline and lineages, institutional wealth, and generational power. Or generational wealth and institutional power, pardon me. Same thing. <laughs> okay? We got to begin to think about that, right? And act accordingly. Okay? But we can only think about that if we still got our diversity. If we're still ourselves. We still have our identity and we haven't become absorbed into this flavorless, odorless nothing. Right? I, I am, right? Part of the I am or I'm is. You know how our folk be? I, I'm is. Where are you? I'm is. <laughs> Just 
playing. You know what I mean? But not really, though. <laughs> okay? Those of you that's just tuning in, this is Brother Unfamiliar. You listen to Cool Kim Radio. Dealing with the subject, the importance of ancestral veneration and the consequences of ancestral neglect, part two. About to get ready to wrap this thing up, but, you know, we want to go into some of the other traditions, okay? So I, so I want to talk about um, this tradition in, let's start with China, right? Let's start with China, and let's start with the tradition of Taoism, right? What most people know about Taoism today, they, most people don't know about Taoism. People talk about the Tao, right? The Tao means the way they read the Tao, they ching, and the E-King, and, you know, they, they talk about, um, you know, they talk about the yin and the yang and what have you, and really don't understand, you know, they don't understand this, right? Um, first and foremost, right, the Tao and the E-King is born out of the African civilization that founded China, the Xia dynasty, right, the Xia dynasty, and the, and the subsequent Shang dynasty, right? Okay? The E King, before folks started using coins and sticks, they used turtle shells and bones, right? Throwing bones onto fire, and depending upon how the, the bones crack, the patterns in the cracks of the bones, that's how they divine with the spirit realm. This is what we're talking about. got to get our... Gotta get our, our our weight up when we're talking about these things. We can't follow or look at these things in the same way as the Western man looked at you know, looked at these things, you know? And we think that the E-King that we get in Bones and Nobles, right, that Kung Fu Si, right, that Confucius stuff is what we're looking at now, right? We're dealing with Confucius E-King. We're dealing with Confusion E-King. <laughs> okay? But um, actual Taoism... Right? Traditional folk Chinese traditions, okay, is, is identical to African traditions because they were African people. So there's the veneration of the ancestors present. There's the veneration of the spirits and forces of nature present, okay? We're talking about, we're talking about a tradition that is about making offerings, building shrines, making offerings and performing sacrifices to the spirit realm to maintain order and in the world and to keep ourselves in harmony with the Tao, right? If you ever got your hands on the original E-King, Chou Yi, right? Chou Yi, you ever got your hands on that? You will see that almost every single hexagram, every single line, right, refers to or corresponds to a particular force of nature or an ancestor and calls for a sacrifice, a, specific, a particular type of sacrifice to a particular type of force, a particular shrine, okay? Right? Sounds like... Sounds like the uh, the shrine in the or the oracle in the house of the net in Kemet, right? It sounds like the Baru of Ra in Kemet. It sounds like the Kepera in Hinisu, 
Uh-oh. It sounds like the Ifa amongst the Yoruba. The Fa amongst the, the practitioners of voodoo. Right? The Afa in amongst the uh, Igbo. <laughs> okay? That's what we're talking about here. Right? But amongst the, the tradition of the Chinese, right, um, there's a story in the I Ching that corresponds to the 18th hexagram that talks about the fall of the Shang dynasty, how the Shang fell to the Chou, okay? The Chou, the Chou are the Chinese that we are familiar with today, okay? The quote-unquote yellow man, so to speak, right? The Shang, on the other hand, was an African dynasty. So in this E King, this 18th hexagram, it talks about how the Africans lost power to the modern Chinese. Okay? And according to the hexagram, it says that the Shang neglected their ancestors. Right? They neglected their ancestors. Okay? I'm going to read something, right? This is about renovating the goo. Okay? Corruption means offering service to the ancestors. Okay? This goo, a spirit venom capable of not only crazing and killing a victim, but also securing his possessions and wealth for the perpetrator of of the... uh, Pardon me, that's not where I want to read. <laughs> Here we go. Ancestral goo played a great part in the fall of the Shang. The Zhou Jin, the last tyrant, deeply angered the ancestors by dick- disregarding the sacrifices. It was said that they, the ancestors, had not eaten in 60 years. Okay? The ancestors of the Shang hadn't eaten in 60 years. The search for the offended ancestor causing trouble is alluded to in the lines of this figure, which have the shape and rhythm of oracle bone consultations. These might have been made just before the conquest of the Shang in a desperate attempt to find which ancestors were cursing the state. Okay, there we go. So according to the E King, the Shang dynasty fell as a result of neglecting their ancestors for 60 years. It says that the, the offering, the shrine built of cobwebs and the offering bowls had insects and pestilence in it. Okay? And as a result of that, the saying lost power. Is that true? Or is it propaganda? I don't know. Right? Now, is the, is, the, is the fundamentals of it true? Absolutely. The fundamental principle at play in that particular story is absolutely true. Right? Neglecting, as we touched on, right, how the ancestors are, are very important to maintaining the protection, the, the integrity of our security in this, in this realm. Right? They prevent things that don't that aren't supposed to enter into the realm. It's like an invasion. They stop an, inv- an invasion. 
you see, from coming into this realm, from the spirit realm, right? And all invasions, even physical invasions, have spiritual, spiritual counterparts, right? Our ancestors are like our spiritual immune system, okay? So, in neglecting the ancestors for, you know, 60 years, 60, right? In the in the comedic story, we got a we got a similar story, but it's only seven years of famine, right? But we're talking about sixty years, right? In the case of the shame, and as a result of that, the Chow people, right, the Chinese that we see today, came in and conquered, right? It's a very important story. So, ancestral veneration in China is a very important thing, even today, right? Even today, ancestral veneration is practiced regardless of whether you're Buddhist, Taoist, or even if you don't have a religion at all, you keep the shrine of your ancestors, especially your mother and your father. Okay? Ancestral veneration is a very important practice. Right? Could that be why the Chinese are becoming a world, you know, or are a world power? Right? Right? They neglect uh, greatly, you know, foreign influence, foreign culture, right? They keep to their, their traditional ways in many regards. And they venerate their ancestors. Right? They're about Chinese people, first and foremost. Later for the rest of you guys, they say. <laughs> All right? Yeah, think about that. Okay. See the same, right, the same thing in Japan, the tradition of Shintao, right, Shinto, or Shintao, right, Shin meaning spirit and Dao meaning way, same Dao as in China, right, Shintao literally means the way of the spirit, okay, and in Shintao, there's the veneration of the forces of nature called Kami, interesting, Kami, right, and, um, you know, also the veneration of the ancestors. And, you know, in Shintao, if one fails to venerate the ancestors or perform rituals or keep festivals for them, then the ancestors may become angry and cause trouble for the living. Okay? That's Shintao in Japan. This is a very interesting tradition, by the way. Okay? Very, very interesting. Because this tradition is traditional folk tradition for them. Like what I just mentioned with original Taoism. Right? Traditional folk Chinese tradition. Okay? Which is identical to the Kemetic tradition. Voodoo. Ifa, Igbo, okay, Akan, okay, it's identical, alright, next, we want to look at Hinduism, okay, we want to look at Hinduism, and the practice of ancestral veneration in Hinduism is called Shraddha, 
by Shraddha. Okay? And regarding Shraddha, it is said that, okay, due to the non-performance of rituals, okay, the non-performance of rituals like Pindasratha and the offering of water to deceased ancestors, etc., the ancestors of such people who do not perform Shraddha have to reside in the quote-unquote hell region. This results in stagnation and no progress of the descendants. Okay, the sage Sumantu has said, okay, that nothing is as superior as the ritual of Shraddha. Shraddha. Therefore, a person having a pure intellect to discriminate between right and wrong should never abstain from performing Shraddha. Okay? The Brahm, the Brahm Vahi Vata, Brahm, Brahma, pardon me, Brahma Vahi Vata Puran says, activities related to deceased ancestors are more important than those related to God. That's some deep stuff. Activities related to deceased ancestors are more important than those related to God. Therefore, every sacred ceremony begins with Nandi Shraddha. Whoo! Right? Ritual, ancestral veneration is more important than the rituals related to God. Right? So they begin every single ritual, every single sacred ceremony with ancestral veneration. This is India. Right? This is Hinduism. Okay. Brahma Puran says, one who performs the ritual of Shraddha diligently and in accordance with one's financial state, he satisfies everyone right from Lord Brahma to the insignificant blade of grass. No one in the family of the person performing Shraddha remains unhappy. Whoo! Right? That means if you venerate your ancestors, your whole family can come up potentially, according to these teachings, right? In venerating the ancestors, you venerate, you venerate the supreme being, so to speak, all the way down to the insignificant blade of grass. That's some heavy stuff. Okay? And lastly, uh, well, actually... There's two more things I want to read. At the time of death, if a person feels Shraddha is meaningless and nobody should perform Shraddha for me after my death, and later, because of Shraddha having not been performed after his death, he experiences that I am trapped. Even then, he cannot convey this feeling to anyone. He could become unhappy because of his wish remaining unfulfilled. Taking this point into consideration, it is absolutely necessary to perform Shraddha for every deceased person. Okay, by performing ritual of Shraddha for a deceased person, the give and take account that exists with that person gets fulfilled. Example, if we owe something to a person and he dies before we could repay him, then by virtue of performing Shraddha, the loan can be repaid. Okay, and it goes on to talk about um, the things that one receives from performing 
Sradha on behalf of one's ancestors. One can perceive, uh, conceive a baby and acquire a, li- a long life, success, uh, quote-unquote heaven, fame, strength, wealth, animals, happiness, food, right, by worshipping or performing Sradha for the ancestors. Right? Or in the case of Kemet, we say, all good things. <laughs> all right? So, right, that's that's Asia, okay, that's India, dealt with Africa, we dealt with, you know, West Africa, we dealt with South Africa with the Zulus, we dealt with East Africa in Kenya, we dealt with East Africa in the Tsar tradition, we dealt with North Africa in the Berbers, right, and, um, you know, we briefly mentioned the Druids earlier, right, so I'm not going to spend that much time going into the European um, European, you know, traditions. But you know, anyone that's interested in the subject can easily just you know research ancestral veneration, and you see that it is it is the most universal practice or universal spiritual practice in the world. Okay, it is the most universal spiritual practice in the world. And if you go back and revisit my uh, my uh, series, the series that we did. On uh, the relationship between Kemet, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam is three three shows that we did. Um, go check them out in the archives. You'll go and you'll see. I even talk about the practice of ancestral veneration in those three tradi- in those three religions, including Islam. Like in the case of the Berbers, where one prays um, at the grave of their ancestors for their ancestors to intercede on their behalf with Allah, right? Okay, right? This is what's done in Islam, right? They pray at the grave of their ancestors, okay? For their ancestors to intercede on their behalf, like they do in the Berbers, you know, with the Berbers. Pray and sleep in the tomb of their ancestors, right? They did it in Kemet, right? This is a universal practice, okay? Very important. Very, very important. As a matter of fact, for you Bible heads, the book even tells you to venerate or honor your mother and your father so that your days will be long in the land. book even tells you right so everyone knows it okay little technical difficulty want to make sure everyone can still hear me I'm going to open up your line real quick Marina Turd if you can still hear me let me know that's a pool can you hear me All right. Wow. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay. All right. So, before we get up out of here, let's talk about how we should venerate our ancestors today. Okay. We don't want to just, uh, you know, talk about the importance and the consequences without saying, okay, how do we do this today? Right? As mentioned in the comedic tradition, right? And it needs to. 
We venerate the ancestors as Osea Kintiamintiu. Right? First and foremost, there, there, is the, there is the need to know your ancestors, right? To construct what's called an Imirin F, a list of names. Right? Research your ancestors. Right? Ask questions. Do your, you know, do your family tree or whatever the case may be. Right? And, um, your research and list, make a list, compile a list of your maternal line and your paternal line, right? Your mother and your father line, if you can. Okay? Make a list of those names. And, you know, if you want, you can write Osir, right? Or as some, 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 some folks say, Osar, right? right? Write Osar or Osir, right, um, before each one of those names. Erect a shrine, right? Get you a table, you know, a nice table, um, right? White cloth. Okay? Make sure that you clean the, clean the table good before you erect it, right? Clean it with good, you know, let's say a good solution. What we use is uh, a solution of spring water and pine. Okay? Swing, spring water and pine. You know, a little um, sea salt in there. Okay? To wipe down the table. Right? Put that white cloth on that table. If you can do a, get a new white cloth, that would be perfect, right? You want to cleanse it anyway. Um, you want to smudge the white cloth with incense. Okay? And you can also put some drops of myrrh oil on the white cloth. Okay? All right, so once you do this, right, and you can have, you can, you know, get a, a statue of Osir. If you can make, if you can make statues, that's dope, right? You can make a statue of Osir. You can make, uh, you can use a picture of Osir, right, an image of Osir. Put it in the frame then place it on the shrine, okay? And um, in actuality, if you like to perform ancestral veneration in a comedic way and uh you know you like for us to guide you through the process um definitely 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 i invite you to contact me um you know send me an email all right send me an email you can get at me at anukoseratin a-n-u-k-a-u-s-a-r-1-0 at gmail.com that's a-n-u-k-a-u-s-a-r-1-0 at gmail.com or you can send an email to Heninsu at gmail.com. That's H-E-N-E-N-S-U dot com. Or, pardon me, H-E-N-E-N-S-U um, at gmail.com. Right? Send an email and let me know that you, uh, you want to begin to venerate your ancestors and you want guidance through the process and we'll guide you through that process because there are rituals that, um, that you would use or you would perform certain passages um, from the Pertim Heru that you would utilize to um, dedicate and to activate the shrine, um, you know, things that you would offer, right? But generally what you would do, you would place your, your Emmy Renef, place your, your list of names, your list of names on the shrine, you know, in a frame, in the frame behind the picture of Osea maybe, right? You can place some of the pictures of your relatives on the shrine as long as they're in the picture 
by themselves or in the picture with other ancestors and not with anyone that's living, okay? You can place some of the pictures of your ancestors, right? Your living deceased on the on the shrine, okay? And, um, you know, white candle, okay, a white candle. Get you a, a vase. Uh, you can put a plant on a shrine um, and pour libations directly into a plant, okay, into the plant. Right, any green plant is good, but if you want to be, uh, you know, all the way on point, if you can find, um, you know, a, you know, if you can find a, um, a miniature palm, right, you can keep a miniature palm on the shrine, right, and there's other rituals that that the palm is used for, okay, or you might want to grow a palm tree. In your backyard and have it serve as a sacred tree for your ancestors. Okay, that's something that will be in accordance with the with the comedic tradition of ancestral veneration, right? And what you do is uh, you have the shrine inside and you have the sacred tree outside, and you would um, you know let's say you pull libations at the shrine, you could also pull libations at the sacred tree, or you can discard of the Libations from the previous day at the sacred tree. Okay, so um, this is something, right? Something that um, that you could do. Okay, offer incense. Okay, off the offering of incense. Myrrh is like a universal incense in the comedic tradition. Right, so the burning of myrrh is important. Okay, the burning of myrrh. The offering of water, right? The offering of light through a candle. Okay? The offering of oil. The offering of food, right? Fix a plate. Okay? So, let's say, through a, during the day, this is what your ritual would look like. After your shrine has been dedicated and activated, Okay? You go to your shrine and you prostrate before your shrine. You prostrate before your ancestors. Okay? You salute your ancestors. Remember, we're venerating the ancestors collectively. Okay? You can perform, um, you know, the, the ritual offering, Hetep Di Nisu, right? The, the candle. Right? In association with the eye of Heru. Offering water. Kwabihumu. Right? Wajet Heru. Kwabihumu. Right? For the, uh, for the offering of water. Right? Wajet Heru. For the offering of the candle. Then Sinifter. Right? Uh, for the offering of incense. Right? Don't worry about trying to keep up with all of this. I'm telling you once again, contact me and we'll make sure that you have everything that you need to do it. Okay? Then, after the offering of incense, you may offer food. Right? One met. Um, you know, chefau. Right? Whatever it is that you're going to eat. If you eat three times a day and you're at home, fix three plates for your ancestors and fix their, their plate before you fix your plate. And you bring their plate to the shrine. Right? Give them drink. Give them beer. If you drink wine, give them wine. Right? Um... Milk is another thing that can be offered. If you don't drink dairy milk, right, 
Give them the kind of milk that you do drink, as long as it's not goat milk. Don't give them goat milk, right? Coconut milk, almond milk, right? Rice milk, whatever it is that you drink. Soy milk, that can be used instead of cow's milk if you don't drink cow's milk, okay? But, um, you know, milk should actually be given to the ancestors every 10 days, right? Every 10 days beginning at the new moon, okay? And, um, you know, we'll talk about the reason for that a little bit later on. But uh, milk is another offering that can be given. So beer, wine, milk, okay, water. Okay, these are things that can be uh, given to the ancestors. Right, incense, food, light, water, okay, oil. Right? And then recite a hymn. For the ancestors, right? A hymn to Osir on behalf of the ancestors. Okay? Neither hymn will provide you with one. And, um, you know, at the end, right, you begin with Osir, kiss your men to you, and then you go down the list of your ancestors' names. Right? The Osir, so and so, the Osir, so and so, the Osir, so and so. Right? Then you, you know, you catalog the offerings that are being made, right? For your car, in kayak, right? For your car. Okay? Salute, prostrate, and go forward with your day. Right? Then there's methods that we use to perform divination at the ancestral shrine and whatnot. These things are a little bit more advanced, but... Once again, if you contact us and you're interested in learning how to do this, we'll guide you through the process, right? So this is your brother opening the door for you, okay, to, um, you know, learn more about this tradition and how to do these things um, in the comedic way, okay? But regardless of whether you go the comedic way or not, um, right, it does not take away from the immense importance, the tremendous importance of ancestral veneration and how doing so can literally improve our lives. Okay. So um, with that said, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I'm going to check in real quick one more time just to see if anyone has anything that they'd like to say or add before we get up out of here. Okay. Marina Turt, start with you. You have anything that you'd like to say or add? the pool. Okay. Nothing. Head to the pool. Shims to watch. You got anything you'd like to say or add before we get up out of here? Head to pool. Head to pool. I'm good See to you. go. To go. It was a wonderful show. Do I All right. That's a good word. Appreciate you. See you. Do I have tear? Head to pool. Head to pool. All right. Head to pool. Shims to bet. You're on the air. At the pool. Choo-choo. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Good to go. All right. That's a good word. Do I? Wah. Wah. Choo-choo. Heads up. Heads up. Okay. Heads the pool. Did it. You're on the air. Hello? Choo-choo. 
Oh, yeah, hit up, brother. I'm good to go, man. Great show. Oh. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Hit up. All right, brother. Hit up. All right. And the good brother, uh, good brother Sam Neal said he's not on the phone, just listening. Definitely, definitely, brother. Appreciate you for tuning in in the building. Salute, salute. Right? Um, see the QM, she did, she did actually answer some more questions. She said, um, what does the process look like for installing a newly deceased ancestor? Is there a time frame for how soon you need to get to it? How long should the mourning process be? Okay. So, the comedic tradition, right? You know, um, how do you say, the process of the ritual procedure varies from tradition to tradition, how long it takes, um, et cetera, and so on, right? It varies from tradition to tradition. Um, traditionally, in the comedic tradition, it's a, um, uh, I want to say, a 40-day process, right, if I'm not mistaken, okay? And, you know, there's, there's also the, the ritual procedure of the opening of the mouth, and, you know, this, this time frame was, um, you know, the time that one was, you know, allowed to mourn. Right, so mourning was a ritual thing, okay? Okay, one, I said one second. Just want to clarify something real quick. Don't want to, uh, you know, don't want to, uh, you know, you know, don't want to give out any any errors. So yeah, some point forty days, right? And um, you know, it's a it's a ritual where you have the you know the the funerary or the burial procedure, um, traditionally mummification. You have the opening of the mouth ceremony, etc. So on. Now the opening of the mouth ceremony doesn't necessarily take that long, right? Um, that's the ceremony that actually creates the new ancestral spirit. Okay. And, um, you know, it's where the Ka is awakened, the Ka of the ancestor is fed, uh, the spirit of the ancestor is awakened, uh, the shrine is activated, right, the, and, you know, they're put into a position where they're able to receive, um, you, know, ans- you know, receive the offerings to communicate, to be able to do for themselves, and have sovereignty over themselves in the spirit realm, Okay. So um, you know that's um, I say that's that's how it's done in the comedic tradition. But um, yeah, as soon as the as someone makes their transition, okay, if you're you know if you're not in the position to do the all-out thing, okay, the full the full all-out um, you know procedure, okay, like you don't have land to do the burial and all of that yourself, then um, you know, enshrining them into your personal ancestral shrine. This is something that can be done. Um, there's chapters, uh, you know, that can be uh, utilized from, you know, the pertinent rule, from the coffin text or the pyramid text. And, you know, there's rituals and offerings and things of that nature, things of that, nature that can be made. And it doesn't have to take um, very long. It depends upon um, the resources at your disposal, okay, you know, number one, and, um, you know, the time that, you, that you're you going to actually dedicate to getting it done, okay? <coughs> Pardon me. So, you know, 
that's that's the way that it's done. But um, you know, if you're in a situation where you do have uh, the capacity to do the entire ritual, right? The, you can do the burial, not necessarily mummification, right? But if you can perform the burial and all of that, um, then you can go through the the longer ritual of the opening of the you know the full ritual of the opening of the mouth, performing the various sacrifices and all and all of that, which can take a few days. Okay. All right. Those of you that are just tuning in, this is your brother Unc Benu. You're listening to Cool Kim Radio, and man, we've dealt with the importance of ancestral veneration and the consequences of ancestral neglect. All right, very important that we begin to venerate our ancestors, right? Even, even, even if we just started with pouring libations to them and calling their names, right? Even, and I'm talking in an unofficial capacity. Even if we just began, right? We could begin today just by pouring libations to them, calling their names, lighting a candle for them, leaving water for them, right? Right? We'll begin to see some things happen. But um right, really making a conscious effort to, to ritually uh venerate them. That changes the game. So uh, you know, it's something we like to see all of our people begin to do. Okay. Um real quick, um, you know, we got a we got a few things going on, we like to announce the uh, Cool Kim Kimmet Tour 2015 going down this September um, the 3rd through the 14th. You know, we're going to be taking a group to pilgrimage, right? In Kimmet, um, right? Visit our ancestors, take your land. And, uh, you know, we like to see you come with us. We got a lot of, uh, we got a few packages that are available for if you're traveling from the U.S., we're going to be leaving from New York, and we got all-inclusive packages, right? That includes the international airfare, domestic airfare in Kemet, right? And also all of the entrances uh, to the museums and the monuments, the crews, the hotels, the the food, etc. Right? All those things are included, and um, right? We have a package for that. We also have a package um, for those that will be traveling from other than the U.S. Um, or other than the Americas that can't meet us or don't want to meet us in New York, right? No matter where you're traveling from around the world, right? We got folk that want to come from Africa for this, right? From 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 the motherland, from Nigeria, from from Swaziland and South South uh, South Africa, right? From Seychelles, we got folk that want to join us from you know around the world. So this is also available and open to our people wherever you may find yourself in the world. You want to join us on this pilgrimage, by all means, feel free to do so, right? We welcome you, okay? And we have a package for you that does not include airfare. You just have to meet us in Kemet, and once you meet us in Kemet, everything else is included, okay? Um, so you can visit our website, henesu.com, H-E-N-E-N-S-U.com, right, and click on the marketplace to get to the Cool Kim Kimmet Tour. Right, click that button and, um, you know, it takes you to the page and you'll see everything that the tour entails, all the details. The, um, the final day to complete your registration, the due date for to complete your registration is, uh, is August the 3rd, pardon me, August the 3rd is the final day to complete your registration where everything must be cleared, okay? The balance and everything must be cleared. Um, because we have to have time to lock down and secure uh, the best price 
for the uh, plane tickets and to make sure that we give um, the people that we're working with in Kemet enough time to get everything organized for us, okay, uh, for our arrival. So, right, August 3rd is the absolute latest day to complete your registration, right? But between now and then, you can uh, pay now or you can begin to make payments, um, you know, in between now. We're accepting, uh, we're accepting deposits as low as $300, okay? Um, also, right, so that's the Kukim Kim Kimmy Tour 2015, August the 3rd through the 14th, okay? And we're going to be exploring the comedic tradition in its African context. You know, we dealt with a lot of the, uh, a few of the African traditions today as it related to the, um, the science of ancestral veneration, right? That's just a, that's a small, small, very small glimpse of the information that we're going to be dealing with as it relates to the comedic tradition in its African context in Kemet, okay, dealing with the comedic science. So you don't want to miss it, family. You don't want to miss it. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely get over to the website. Check it out. We'd love to join, have you join us. And we also have an incentive uh, program where we're giving, uh, giving you 10% for each person that you bring with you or get to sign up, right? So let's say you bring one person with you. We're going to give you... Let's say if you have the all-inclusive package, we're going to give you $323 towards your trip, right, or to go in your pocket for that one person that you get to go, right? So you bring one other person, your trip will be twenty-nine ten, okay? And we're going to pay you for each person that you get to go, right? So you can get your whole trip paid for if you bring 10 people. Um, if you're coming from abroad, right, $223 um, per person, and, you know, your trip actually um, ends up, you know, being something like, um, you know, 2000 or 1900 or something like that, right? So it's, um, we, we wanted to make sure that we um, made the trip flexible and easy for the family to join us. So, right, this is the organizer and referees incentive where we're, we're offering you 10% per person that you get to go or that you bring with you. So we want you there with us once again. All right? So um, with that, right, want you to definitely, definitely, definitely support the family, um, you know, support us. we got to be able to keep this thing going and, and take it to the next level to achieve the goals and the vision that we set in place. So, um, right, we have the... Um, you know, Hinesu Marketplace that has music, it has books, has DVDs, it has clothes, right? Um, you know, support the fam, support uh, design culture, apparel and clothing, right? Beautiful African clothes, support vitality in Seychelles, get get a holistic health consultation from the good brother, Kaparumaro Wa'ib, okay? Um, support Poofy Organics by Candice, right? Also known as Smyes Ehet, okay? Support, um, you know, our sister Simsu Watt and, and her uh, natural hair uh, business, okay? Support, right? Support, 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 okay? <laughs> right? Check out the, the book by our good brother Rod Mary, The Black Biblos. It has the comedic stories and... And hymns, right? Um, you know, 
compiled in one book, a, a, a potent, concentrated portion of right black power in this book, carefully crafted, and um, you know, it's put into a format that we can understand uh, easily today, and it can be read to our children. Okay, so um, definitely, 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 you can find that book also at the Hines Marketplace. Okay, and my book, Remembering All Share, right? This joint is going to be finished today. <laughs> right? That's right, I said it. going to be finished today. Um, as it stands, the book is currently 854 pages. Um, it'll probably end up being li- either right under 9 or right at 900 pages. And, um, you know, we finished it today. And, um, you know, look for it to be available in the next couple of weeks, right, after we begin to promote it. So, um, you know, we'll we'll probably do a pre-order thing on it. Um, You know, we'll have a look at that. But um, definitely, 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 family, the moment is at hand. All right? This book is going to um, let you know the ins and outs of the comedic tradition, the cosmologies, the rituals, the natural, the offerings, um, the calendar, the the ritual and festival calendar, um, all of these things are included in this book. That's why it's so dense. Okay, we want to make sure that we were thorough. Okay, the name of the book is Remembering Osir, right? Hold on, I'm I'm I'm, I'm typing it. In the joint for you, Brother Sam Neal. Bang, there it go. Be on the lookout for that. <laughs> okay? That book is going to um, basically allow anyone that wants to practice the daily tradition of ancient Kemet, right? You're going to be able to practice this tradition. It is not a book on, um, you know, self-initiation because we don't, um, believe in self-initiation, right? Initiation, just like African tradition itself, is a family, ancestry-oriented thing. So it's a community thing. So this book will, you know, allow you to begin to practice the daily tradition, which you'll begin to see the benefits of, definitely. And um, you get to the point where you want to, um, you know, establish a community or, you know, um, join on to the community and practice the tradition as a community and we can talk about initiation and I'll even assist you in establishing a community where you are, okay? Um, and, you know, that's something that we can we can definitely do. So, you know, definitely, 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 family, be on the lookout for Remembering Gosev. And um, with that said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I want to thank everyone for chiming in. I want to thank you for your time and your attention, right, for adding on. I want you to know that you appreciate it. We couldn't take this thing to the level that we took it to and that we take it to without you being here, okay? So we thank you for that. And, um, you know, I want to will you a, you know, you know, Aut Ib, right? Nechim Ib. That is a heart that swells with gladness and a blissful heart, right? A pleasant or sweet heart, okay? For the remainder of your day and throughout the week. And um, we'll be back here, same time, same place, next week with more Cool Kim. So until next time.
Sinetti. Be well. Hetapu. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.